Hi everyone, welcome to Game Face episode 15 on Sifted Games. Hope everyone had an excellent E3. I know I sure did. It was a great show, in my opinion, one of the best E3s ever. We're going to talk about that a ton on today's show, as you might expect. Also want to say thanks to all the people who are a part of our E3 hangout on Wednesday. It was an absolutely amazing time. Sitting here, switching through all the streams, finding the good stuff, actually chatting and doing Q&A with you guys all day. We streamed for eight hours straight on Wednesday. On Monday, we streamed for, Matt, what was it, like 13 hours, I think we streamed? Yep, 13. 13. We did a lot of streaming out of here over E3. We hope that you guys enjoyed it. I know that we did. Um, do want to mention something off the top. Um, some of you guys may know or may not know, Marcus was not a part of our E3 coverage. And since I know there's going to be a ton of questions, there already have been a ton of questions, and I don't want them to keep coming, I just want to kind of set the record straight and let you guys know what happened and what is going on. So I'm just going to tell you exactly what happened. You can form your own opinions based upon that. So basically what happened was, over the weekend, the final schedule for our E3 coverage was sent out after having been discussed multiple times, both on the show and both privately off air. Um, when the schedule was sent out to Marcus, he replied that he did not want to do that much. I replied back to him, basically cut a lot of the schedule out for him. Um, he said he still didn't want to do it. This was basically the day before the show. So I had said, well, let's do a call. He said he would call me back on Sunday. He never called me back. So at that point, I assumed maybe he wasn't going to do the show. I began to go into scramble mode to try to find someone to replace him. Unfortunately, when something like that happens that late, everybody else is already hired for E3. It was very difficult to find someone to fill in for him. I was fortunate enough to find someone who was great, which was Daniel Kaiser. He came on the show with us again on very short notice. We had problems with audio working with that. Uh, we come in on Monday to stream. We still had no idea if Marcus was going to show up or not because he'd never replied to any calls or texts throughout Sunday. Um, and as it works out, he did not show up for our coverage on Monday. So DK and I plowed on through. Um, as far as what's going on with Marcus, I haven't really talked to him. I ran into him briefly at a party on Tuesday. It wasn't really the time or place to talk about it. I haven't heard from him since. Um, so I really have no idea what's going on with Marcus. I don't know if he's ever going to come back and work on Game Face or with Sifted again. Um, so that's it. You could ask him. He won't reply to my calls or texts. That's pretty much where it sits. But in his place, someone who actually needs no introduction whatsoever, sitting with me today for Game Face episode 15, Brandon Jones hey. from Game Trailers. What's up, brother? Just reminds me of Invisible Walls back in the day, whenever, yeah. whenever Marcus couldn't show up. It's like, hey, Brandon, <laughs> what are you doing? No, and no. I'm here, and I will be here anytime because I discovered that I am right down the street. From, yeah, uh, from, your house from, is from, right down the street. From Sifted HQ. That's right. Yeah, I could ride a bike to this office, so <laughs> this is a uh, uh, twist my arm to just cruise right down the street on a sunny day in, in California and talk about E3. And I'm down. Brandon is now the editor-in-chief of Game Trailers. You guys probably know that already. And you're coming off one heck of a week. You guys had a big clip that went viral this week, which yeah, we is really hard of... to do in the madness of E3 to be a one clip that kind of goes viral. We had a lot of love. I mean, that you know, was, uh, we, we were just there covering it. Thank you, Sony, for announcing Shenmue 3. That was, like, you know, part of it. But, uh, yeah, had a lot of really great social interaction. Uh, um, uh, Shuhei Yoshida uh, mentioned us. He said he liked the madness of, of game trailers, and that was really appreciated. Um, uh, we got, uh, yeah, specifically Shenmue, our reaction. And yeah. also have to thank... My, yeah, that's uh, what it was. It was the reaction to the right. Shenmue announcement that went big. Uh, yeah, we had our, our reaction to Final Fantasy VII went up on At Midnight. Uh, Chris Hardwick got a kick out of that. And um, I think it's just it was just the perfect moment because Mike Huber's just... 
I mean, that guy will, in the middle of the day will just will have a big heavy sigh and we'll be like, "What is it, Mike?" He's like, oh, "I'm just thinking about Shenmue," you know. And like, <laughs> and, and he and he's been, you know, for months now, uh, you know, periodically on our streams and our Twitch channel, they've been playing Shenmue One and Shenmue Two, and they're like right in the middle of Shenmue Two now. And so, you know, it was just always kind of like that thing that they were into, and we'd always kind of joke like, "Okay, yeah, Half Life Three, Shenmue Three, you know, yeah. like all these games," and then. Dreams come true. You know, Sometimes they do. It. Yeah. It was, a, it was a legendary E3. I, I actually bumped into a lot of people at the show that said it was their, without a doubt, their best E3 they'd ever been to. Yeah, I've been to 17 E3s or 16. Yeah, it was my 14th. Yeah, Just and like, uh, it was certainly really up there. I don't now. know if it was the best, but it was certainly up there. I mean, we, we had talked about it. We did an analysis of all the press conferences on our live stream, and I had mentioned that Sony's press conference was one of the best that I had ever seen. And, you know, when you talk about 17 years, five or six press conferences per right. year at least... That's some lofty company there. So we are going to walk you guys through pretty much all of E3. We're going to have some fun with the show today. We're going to make some picks for like some games that really kind of rose up at E3, the games that kind of we lost some, some gusto for through E3. We're going to pick our game of the show at the end. Um, we're going to answer some questions from you guys at the end. Uh, we're going to have a good time. But for now, let's get to the big six. So, Brandon, one of the things I saw this week, I went on uh, YouTube's live stream on Tuesday, and they had us pick our favorite press conference. And uh, pretty much everybody was in agreement that, it was, that their favorite press conference was Sony. Mm-hmm. I think it was the best press conference, not favorite. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys did pick Microsoft, and his contention was that E3 is not to get people excited for games that are to come, yeah. but to show people what they're going to be playing very soon. And then after I left that, that was the first day of the show. I ended up seeing that sentiment all over online. Well, not all over, but I saw a lot of people mentioning, yeah, I agree with that. I think that that's the case. But in your opinion, Brandon, what is E3? Well, I mean, to make the argument against uh, PlayStation versus Xbox, because I did hear this, uh, you know, a lot of people were like, well, you know... uh, All these games are for PlayStation or may never be released. That Sony did do that. If you went to Sony's booth, you could play Journey, which is coming to PlayStation 4, which I had to, you know, it's like, I'm like playing Journey, like, what am I doing? I'm in E3, I'm playing Journey, you know, I've played this game before. But, like, that was successful at the show, like, Fat Princess Adventures. There are a lot of uh, cool, like, independent games and some, like, you know, like, uh, games that aren't necessarily getting that much attention right now that maybe wouldn't have really stood out at Sony's press conference um, and and, uh, that were available at their booth. So, like, there was a lot of stuff that Sony did bring to the show that is going to be accessible very soon. They just realized, like, oh, my God, we we potentially can have all these incredible announcements at our press conference. So they really made that the focus. But the one point that I brought up about Sony, which was interesting, which is, like, it almost seemed like a press conference for, like, lawyers because it was, like, it was, like, announcements. You know, it, like, reminded me of, like, when the Beatles came to iTunes... And, like, there's no new music is happening here. This is literally just, like, a deal got made. And, like, a, a lot of the, the, the big exciting moments at Sony were that. We're just, like, we, we, we made this happen. We, we you know, we, we got the deal for FF7. We got the deal for Shenmue 3. Um, but, yeah, I think, uh, I think it's a mix of both. I, don't, I, I, think E3, I think E3 is the time to just set up the year. Because the thing is, like, even if, even if I'm not playing these games, we're still going to be talking about it. Yeah. You know, and, and people in the position that we're in, we're like, that's our, that's our trade. You know, we, get on, we get on video and we talk about these games and we try to create conversations about them. I can ha- just as easily talk for five hours about a game I've never played for and I've sure, only yeah. seen one video of <laughs> versus yeah. a game that I am playing right now. So I don't think it matters. I, I, think, yeah. I, think, I think it's just a different conversation. I don't think there's necessarily a better conversation over the other one. But it's like 
when you compare those two press conferences, like one made some of my employees almost pass out. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like that, that's the winner. I'm sorry, you know, like that's yeah. that that is the especially when it's before the show. You know, when it's it's kicking everything off. You know, it's. Um, Square and Nintendo, you know, you decide to come in there right under the radar right before doors open. But that Monday is really the day, you know, to, to, to get people talking and get people excited about your offerings. And Here's what I say. If you don't announce games at E3, when the hell do you announce them? Yeah. It's like if you want people to start getting excited for your products, and we both know that the entire industry is driven by pre-orders, and that's how you get shelf space at all the retailers, and that's how you get your game out there so that there's, you know, you're at eye level and you get adequate stock in the store so you don't sell out. It's all driven by hype. I mean, that is the nature of our industry. Like it or, or not, yeah. love it or hate it, that's what drives our industry. That's what yeah. drives the revenue in our industry. And so if you're not going to announce a game at E3 when you have this huge production, this massive stage that you've built, and 10,000 people in that room with you, and that stream going out to millions and millions of people all around the world, and you're getting articles on Yahoo.com and the New York Times and the LA Times and the Wall Street Journal, and I can go on and on. <laughs> when else do you announce it? Yeah. Like games, that's, games, Gamescom. <laughs> that is what E3 is for. It's for game announcements. If you're Sam Lake, Gamescom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And look, I'm not foolish. Like Final Fantasy VII probably hasn't even been started yet. Like right. They paid somebody to build a CG trailer. Like, we're announcing this now. We're probably not right. going to play that game until near the end of the lifespan of right. the PlayStation 4. So, look, I'm not delusional. I mean, just look at Versus 13. I mean, here we sit 10 right. years later, right. and we're still waiting for that product to be released. But the fact of the matter is, if you're going to announce a game, you announce a game at E3. and look, Or blow it out. I mean, you look, right. at, you look at something like Doom or Fallout. Both of those yeah. had already been announced. We yeah. knew it. We were predicting it. You, you would think all the steam had been taken out of that announcement and still just kaboom right at the beginning. You know, that's something yeah. that is And look, I'm not foolish. Choice. I totally... You, I can see Microsoft showed games that are coming soonish. Right. And... Several of them will be coming out this year, but Microsoft did the same thing. It showed ReCore yeah. and a bunch of other games that aren't coming out for a long time. Right. I mean, they both played the same game, but the fact of the matter is, playing the same game, I think most people would agree that Sony won playing those games. And I would also argue that E3 is for hype generating, and E3 is for announcing games. It's when you have the most eyes on you. Yeah. It's when you're going to have the most impact announcing a game. Like, Gamescom obviously has risen up a lot over the last... Half decade. It's yeah. a huge show. Last couple years, really. That's yeah, like the last couple years, years, you're right. I mean, it really kind of went nuclear. But it's still not as big a show as far as international media exposure. You're not going to have the LA Times going to Germany to cover Gamescom. Right. Like, maybe they'll report some secondhand stuff. They'll do a wrap-up story on Gamescom. They're not going to go there and send an army of people there to cover it. And so... This is the one opportunity for these publishers to really get their games out there, get people excited for them, get the fans excited for them, get them to go out and pre-order, which just, you know, it, it's a cog of the industry that's always been there. Well, not always, but it's been there for about 20 years now. Yeah. And that's what the publishers assume it's for. And me as a consumer or as someone who just loves games, that's what I look to E3 for. I look for people to announce games. I don't expect every one of them to come out in the next four months. I mean, wouldn't E3 be boring if every game that we saw were the only the games that are coming out before the end of the year? I well, mean, not to mention that the way advertising goes, a lot of those would be games like Arkham Knight, which technically it was a game we were going to play in the future post yeah. E3, but I mean, the future being like, you know, Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I, I think one of the big things that I've noticed, because Shane, you know, we, we used, to work, uh, used to work with me in game trailers. And, yeah. 
and um, you know, uh, you were editor in chief, and, and I uh, was always mostly like back at headquarters. I was always like editing or you know working with editors or writing scripts or, or or getting gameplay and stuff like that. And like I would go to the show, but I would never really like get the crazy behind closed doors appointments, yeah. or um, I would just kind of run and you know see all the media and get hands on with whatever I could. And what I'm noticing now is that like it's so important to have everyone here. Yeah. To literally have everybody here for like a week is such a huge deal. Like physically their bodies here. And you know, and like we try we we did our um, we're Beverly Hills when we did our coverage and like we got EA to come out, we got Square Enix to come out, um we Platinum Games came out, but like so many people I talked to were like, you know, half an hour away from the show, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And that's like that's just a half an hour. You know, and so it's it, everyone just really wants to be there rooted in that spot and you, when you add up all of the social interaction that happens that, that week, everybody talking online, everybody uh, you know, going to different shows from different outlets, uh, everybody talking at the parties afterward, just crossing in the hallways. What did you just check out? Oh, Battlefront's amazing. Yeah, what did yeah. you check out? Uncharted, you gotta see it. You know, yeah. and like having this you know, person-to-person physical interaction. It's a community. When, when people mean, it's are the in, gaming community. People That's are in Vancouver, is. they're in Texas, they're in New York, you know, they're you know, the developers all over the place. North Carolina, I'm discovering, is this crazy bastion of game development. Yeah, and, Raleigh, and, and, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, when you get everybody and uh, and you really find out organically what the, the what rises to the top, you know what is yeah. the stuff that pe- that keeps coming up in conversation that people keep talking about. That's really what you want to win. And if you miss out on that, on that, if you're not there, if you don't show up at least, because it, it, to me it's not. We can talk about what won the show and you well, know the like, what's on top out and what's too. bottom. Like, just look, being there is winning. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you look at the numbers at GT, like yeah. what games do the most views, what games generate the most commentary. It's really not the games that are coming out in like a month or two. Oh yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's the games that are that are just announced and the first trailer is shown. Maybe they show a gameplay demo like they did with Horizon or whatever. But those are the games that generate the most interest from the people who are watching E3, the consumers right. and the gamers. So, you know, it also bears out with them. They don't care about the stuff that's coming out in a few months. And the big reason is because they've already seen. Look at Batman. How many trailers have we seen for Batman? Oh, don't like, start on Batman trailers, man. This yeah, I mean, there's so many. <laughs> yeah. It's like people are kind of burnt out. They're like, they get it at that point. If E3 were all, if every press conference was just games coming out for the fifth, no one would care. Yeah, E3 would die. No, you, like, yeah. it would have nothing. So, I don't know. I don't think there's much of an argument to say, oh, you should give more credence to a publisher who only shows stuff that's coming out really soon. To me, that's just a false argument and maybe... I think it's both. I think it's a little bit of everything. And, and, and sometimes that's what happens with press conferences is you have, well, like what you just said, where you have like, you know, uh, somebody will come out and they'll have a bunch of great announcements, but the stuff, you know, stuff I played at the show is okay. And then these other guys, like the stuff that they're bringing, they have a really strong, you know, catalog right now, like this yeah. quarter, whereas the announcements, you know, not really, they push some stuff to other shows. Um, so it's really having everything. You know, and that's actually when when we get into the games that we appreciate, especially our game of the show. Like to me, it it's all of those things. Like, how are your trailers? How is it? You know, did it look playable? What did you show? Was it new? Yeah. You know, was it like an affirmation of what I thought of the game, or was I surprised? You know, and if you can hit all those boxes, that to me is like the total package. And then that that's what I usually that's what I want to award game of the show. You know, just something that's that's uh, did a little bit of everything. You yeah. know, and did it all right. Yep, we'll get to that in a bit. Time yeah. to move on to topic two. So the second topic today. Is Nintendo. This headline, man, is so great. What the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? Especially when you have, when you made the decision that Nintendo made where they're like, we're not having a show anymore. Yeah. And that's still... Uh, and we, you we know were... what? I feel like that's a cop-out. I feel like that's like the guy who's like, who takes his ball and goes home because he lost. Like, 
you know, well, it's like you're same. on the playground, like the kid brings the ball, right. his team loses, and everyone else still wants to play, and he's like, no, I'm going home. Like, at the same time, like, we're in video production, so like, I got to appreciate, I, I definitely appreciate the fact, like those puppets, you couldn't have done that. They're great. You know, yeah, like, got so Jim Henson in there. and Right. Um, and so well, not like, him, obviously, right, right. but his say, company. Like, I didn't remember that part. That, yeah. you know, like, but like, <laughs> um, and that's just a great opportunity to really clean up your message, you know, yeah. to really like have everybody on, like all across Nintendo, you know, in Japan and in America, watch the whole thing. Thing, agree to it, you know, start to finish. Like, we loved Sony, but we were talking right beforehand about how, like, nerve-wracking uh, the Uncharted demo was, yeah, you know, yeah. because Nate didn't move. And, like, all these incredible... Sony was just killing it in the very last thing. You're just like, come on, Which Drake. is, like, the big crescendo. It's yeah. like the game everyone's waiting to see. Walk, Drake, walk! Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and you just... You, 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 you do away with all that with Nintendo. They basically just said, yeah. like, we really want to have a very clean message. Uh, but they're... Look, they're, that's the other thing, though. They're, they're playing it safe. They're not taking the risk. They're right. not live demoing their games. Right. I mean, they're... Pre-recording everything, somebody screws something up, the game doesn't play the way it's supposed. I mean, it's kind of cheating, in all honesty. Like that's why I always kind of well, grade. But, but like, it only Nintendo. backfires on them. Yeah, it's only, they're only shooting themselves in the foot, you know, by not like you know getting people really excited and talking about that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think what the lack of excitement though is just that they just had nothing to show. Yeah. I mean, so you know they don't show Zelda. They had said they weren't going to show Zelda already before the show. I still thought that they would. Like I figured I thought oh, okay. they were like throwing people off the scent and they were still going to at least right. show a trailer for the game. So they don't show it and afterward, well first of all afterwards like it comes out that Awadasan like apologized, but it turns out he didn't really apologize. Yeah, he was just saying lost we'll in translation a little yeah, bit I think. We're, we'll listen to feedback to make everything we do better is what he ultimately really said. But then people were saying, "Okay, well Zelda wasn't here." Why wasn't Zelda here? And Reggie's answer was, well, we don't show games that are really far out. And, well, okay, <laughs> how many times has Xenoblade Chronicles X been at E3? Right. Three times, I think it's been? <laughs> no, I'm not even exaggerating. I think it's been three times that it's been there. How many times has Yoshi's Woolly World been at E3? At least two. Yeah. I mean, and you can go on and on and on. So it turns out that it was just a totally a paper argument from right. Nintendo on why Zelda wasn't there. I think my overall impression from Nintendo at this show is that, like, the Wii U's done. In their mind, oh, definitely, it's yeah. done. Yeah. They have moved on already internally. They're tossing out a couple of these crappy little games like Mario Tennis or whatever right. to try to fill these gaps. And, I mean, and the gaps are going to get worse and worse and worse as the next 18 months roll on. I mean, I don't know how you can just be a Wii U owner for the next 12 months until next E3 rolls around. Like, you're not going to have a ton to play. I feel like this whole E3 presentation from Nintendo was deflection. It, they, they said it was called transformation. That was the whole theme right. of their... But they showed none of their transformation. <laughs> right. They didn't yeah, show yeah. any of their mobile games. They didn't show anything that shows how they are transforming. They didn't show the NX or talk about the NX, which probably is going to be their other part of their big transformation. Right. I cannot believe they didn't show anything mobile. That, to me, is mind-boggling. Yeah, at least just pick a specific direction of the, what you want to talk about. It's, it's weird. Like I, feel like, I feel like Nintendo is kind of like a club or something. You know, it's just that place. Like, oh, we go to that place, we hang out with those guys, yeah. you know, and then we'll get back and we'll talk about Microsoft and Sony, and we'll talk about right. like, what they're really doing to be competitive. And I think they didn't really come out and say that, but yeah, I think they, they're, they're basically just kind of like pushing the Wii U off to the side and being like, we're not, you know, we're just, we're just going to be Nintendo. We're just going to do what we do, um, you know, and... Uh, Hopefully that will be enough, but we're not. We're we're basically out of the game of really being competitive, of really like trying to to challenge. And um, 
you know, one hand, like they didn't mention stuff about the NX, but like the other hand, like they really rushed the Wii U to market. Is yeah. I, I mean, uh, and which not is just, insane. Considering the hardware they had the most successful platform last generation, right? and they didn't need to Why just rush get that out that all? fast. So I think they're really holding off on on uh, on doing something big. And I, I think uh, like like if I you know the the horse I'm putting my money on for for Nintendo is I think. We're not going to get a handheld system or a console system. I think of maybe both. Yeah, I've been be, saying the same thing. I think, I think it's, it's some be, hybrid thing that you can take out of the home, bring it back home, dock it. That they'll be that the, the Wii U will basically be just like some weird little thing, you know? Because they, they they talk about the Wii, the Wii and the Wii U. They're like, oh, have it on all the time, you know? It's like yeah. this is the only console you should ever play. Um, and <laughs> there'll be some kind of port that basically like handles a lot of the, the processing, you know, between like the big games that you would just download right to this thing, and then we'll get some new awesome handheld. And then that'll that'll basically uh, like uh, I'm presuming that'll be your controller as well. Like, yeah. that you'll uh, that's what, that's what you'll you'll play like a smaller version of the gamepad. Let's fast but, forward to next E3. So let's assume, kay. which I think is a safe assumption, that Nintendo will unveil the NX at next year's E3. Okay. Do they yeah. do a press conference? Is it a direct? Well, do the, you can you debut I mean, they, a console with a freaking pre-recorded video? Yeah, I guess. Can you do that? They're going to try. I mean, well, I mean, you really think they'll do that? Well, you don't they, think they'll have a press? Are they going to have Nintendo World Championship next year? How, how how do you think that went off? Because that was their stage show. It went pretty well. And that was. And I'll get into that a little fun. bit later they, because they it actually a things. had a pretty big impact on me. But. They, yeah, um, they they brought some fun people out. And again, it's it's a club atmosphere. You know, it's yeah. like Nintendo really showed up to just have a fun time. Uh, their their booth has always been really accessible. You know, like um, you know, like. Uh, Mario Tennis is not something anybody was really excited about, but it was there, you know, and you could play it. Yeah. It just got announced, and you could get hands-on with it, you know. And uh... Well, I'll put it to you this way. I went to Nintendo's booth, and I immediately went to play Star Fox because I've been waiting for a real sequel to Star Fox 64 for way too long. Go and play Star Fox. I actually really like Star Fox. I don't yeah. know what people are complaining Blood about. Bloodborne said it controls really well. Yeah. He really dug it, yeah. Like, people are complaining about the, uh, about the gyro controls, but you, the gyro controls, basically how it works is... You play the game with the sticks while it's on the screen. And if you want to fine-tune your aim, you look down at the gamepad, and then you can use the gyro to, like, fine-tune the aim. I thought it worked great. Mm. And it's, like, it was very natural. Like, it didn't... When you look down at the gamepad, it goes into, like, a first-person R-wing view, which is freaking awesome. When have we ever flown in first-person right. in an R-wing? Right. And you can still control which direction you're going. You're just flying in first-person perspective. I thought it was great. Like, right. look, the game doesn't look amazing, but it is the Wii U. The game's been in development for a year... I'm sure they'll get it gussied up a little bit before its release comes out, but it's Star Fox 64 too. Yeah, I think like, after the first Star Fox, like 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 just graphics-wise, it was really revolutionary on the Super Nintendo. And I think all the ones, other ones past that are like Star passable. Fox 64 was not, pretty awesome. It, it was pretty awesome, but I think it was I think it's the control. The they had the um, Rumble Pack. The, remember, it introduced yeah. the Rumble Pack for the first time. I think the kind of the 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 the. The characters, you know, like the world. I think there's a lot of things that Star Fox has going for it. I don't necessarily. I, I, I have not. I don't remember ever associating that franchise with being like bleeding edge graphics. No, you know, no, like, not at all. Or no. performance. It's just like fun. You know, like like really inventive with the vehicles and how you transform and how like levels you know progress. I had a lot of fun with it. Yeah. But to continue, what I was saying is, so I play Star Fox. I put it down, and I start walking around the booth, and there was nothing to play. Nothing. Like. Super, or Super Mario Maker had taken over the whole booth pretty much. Yeah. Like, it literally was, like, 50% of the booth. There was, like, a big stage with, like, guys up on stage, like, announcing stuff. And I don't know if there was, like, a competition. It was just madness around that game. And I've already kind of experienced that game enough and, and that sort of thing. So I started walking around everywhere else, and I was like, I don't want to play anything here. I don't right. care about any of this crap. Like... 
There's a couple of 3DS games I wanted to play. Like I played the Metroid for like five minutes, but like you're playing it with this girl who has it like attached to her hip, and it's like, this is awkward. Like, okay, I get it. Is Zelda like three swords basically? Yeah, um, and and that's the other you know Nintendo's focus, and it's smart because the 3DS is what's buttering Nintendo's bread right now. So there there was a huge focus on 3DS, and if you're a 3DS owner, you're pretty happy about E3. Yeah, they're obviously not giving up on the 3DS. There's tons of great software coming for it. But just overall, like, handheld games don't work great at E3. It's really noisy, and the screen's really small, and there's lights flashing, and, like, you can't see the screen. And so I just left. I have never spent so little time in Nintendo's booth at E3, ever, in all the years I've gone to E3. Like, I can at least spend, like, always, even in their worst years. Like, even last year, it wasn't amazing, but there were, like, cool little games, like Project Guard or Project Giant Robot, like... Mm. There, there were little, like, experiments in their booth that you could kind of sit and fiddle with for a while and spend some time. There was just nothing. I just... Again, Nintendo, what the... <laughs> I just... Again, but it, it's, it's almost like Nintendo's... You realize this system's been out, like, two and a half years. Right. It's like... <laughs> but, they, I mean, they do the treehouse all day, every day. You yeah. know? So, so they're not, like, hiding anything. You know, it's not like they announce something or they talk about something at their show and then you can't access it, like... But again, I think they're focusing way more on who we are as opposed to what we're doing. Yeah. You know, they're just like, you just love Nintendo. We're puppets. You know, yeah, like, yeah. hey, Nintendo. And, and, and I do love Nintendo. I mean, uh, uh, you talk about Mario Maker being like the big push. It's like, that's not a game that I thought would have been capable of being your headline game. When that's going to be their big seller. You watch, though. I think that game's going to sell really well. It's cool. That's fine. I'm not saying yeah. it won't, but I'm just talking about like what do you, what, what do you really talk about? You know, it's like yeah. I think it's one of those games where you really have to get in and like spend time like making a level and, and goofing around with the tools, and then it you know, and, and not to mention you know uh, uh, if you're just completely obsessed with Mario, you know, like yeah. that's, that, that's a huge deal. But um, even the Treehouse kind of bore out their lineup because yeah. if you looked at the Treehouse last year, like their very biggest games, like they do two days of it, they do two demos, they do one on day one and then one on day two. This year. There were games that literally they demoed all three days. And they weren't like, it was Star Fox pushing it. (laughs) All the rest of the games that they demoed for three days. I mean, before they even went to E3, they should have looked at their lineup and been like, yeah, we should probably just stream like Tuesday and Wednesday. Because by the time Thursday rolled around, they were playing like these obscure like eShop games and like... Yeah, it was not a good E3 for Nintendo. And to the point that I had asked you before about, you know, should I think they should do a real press conference next year. Like, mm. I, I do not think unveiling a console in a pre-recorded video is the way you should be doing business in the games industry today. And so it was good to see that they did the Nintendo World Championship, so they did have, like, a physical presence a little bit at E3 yeah. this year. And hopefully they'll come full circle and actually have the press conference and maybe the Nintendo World Championships next year so we'll see but man i mean i can't believe it's two and a half years into the wii's life cycle when we're writing it off already and we're asking about the yeah. next console it's I, so sad i think i just i didn't i don't know i, did, I guess i because i didn't have a lot of anticipation about nintendo going into it so yeah. i wasn't like like crestfallen you know it was just kind of the thing where like i i, I feel the same way about nintendo after e3 as i did beforehand and like yeah. that's not good you know yeah. <laughs> you want to like you want to have you want to excitement have, yeah. yeah you want if that you go down that's disappointing you want people to go up obviously but just kind of being neutral is, yeah um, especially because I, I finally own a Wii U. I put off, I put that purchase off until last Christmas, and then I finally got one. And and I think I got it at a, at a time when uh, there were a lot of really great games. Like yeah. pretty much every game I've played so far on the system has been fantastic. Yeah, um, it has a nice little core of games. Right. I mean, there's probably eight to ten games. I don't know if I call them all must plays, but 
they're all games that you, if you paid the full $60 for, you would never regret it. And you but, would get yeah. your money's worth out of it. But if you want to have a kind of fun celebration for your company, do something like PSX. Do something like, you know, like a Sony exclusive thing where you can just come and like be a Sony fan and enjoy yourself. Well, Nintendo used going to be to Space World in Japan. They used yeah. to have their own private show. I don't understand why they wouldn't just do... I mean, look, they're doing like this Best Buy outreach where people can go and play. Like they're playing Mario Maker. Who plays Mario Maker at a Best Buy? Right. <laughs> it's like you stand there for 30 minutes like building a demo on the game. It was, yeah, they did it with <laughs> Smash Brothers, so they just slunk that into that, that yeah. spot. You know, but it was, yeah, not a really good game to... Yeah, it doesn't um, seem ideal. But Nintendo, I don't know, man. Yeah. It's a good thing they got a lot of money in it's the bank. A, it's, yeah, but it's just a question of um, uh, what, what do they want to be? You know, what do they want to do? You know, and it's, I, again, I didn't get the feeling that they were really trying to play up themselves as much as a, you know, like Sony or Microsoft. There's no Phil Spencer puppet. They would never do something like that, you know. And so I think they're, like, being a little more playful to cover up, you know, their lack of announcements compared to, like, the other uh, heavy hitters. But again, it all just plays towards, like, if, if they just want to survive and stick around and still be making hardware, then, like, I, I think we're okay. Like, I think they're yeah. comfortable. But if they want to compete with all the other, even Bethesda, you know, it's like Bethesda with five games destroyed Nintendo. I know. Think about you know, that. Like, that's insane. That's think bonkers, about that. You know? Like, that, is, that is a pretty good way to put it. And probably a good place to end the segment as yeah. well. <laughs> Sorry, Nintendo. So next we're going to talk about one of the biggest surprises at all of E3, and that is Shenmue 3. Yeah, I mean, like you said, obviously the big viral video for you guys from, right. from the reaction of Shenmue 3 being announced. Um, first, we're going to, let's talk about Shenmue 3 itself. Brandon, have you played the first two Shenmue games? I didn't play Shenmue 2. I played Shenmue 1. Uh, I really like open world games. Uh, and so I was the progenitor, really, of right. And games. so I was surprised that I didn't really like take to Shenmue as much because, like, I think it was maybe like a little rigid for me. It was a little like like one thing I, uh, that I like that um, uh, Grand Theft Auto does is uh, there's no question what you should do. There's no question like, okay, here's this giant map. All of these little markers are things that you could do, and um, when you get into a mission, it will be really straightforward what you have to do. That thing might be difficult, but you never, you know, it's, it's never yeah. unclear what you have to do. And then if you want to break from the beaten path, if you want to go to your apartment and watch TV forever, if you want to like go do a job, or even in like GTA 3, if you want to do taxi missions, you right. know, like all of those are on the side. We'll explain to you how you how you do that. Where like in Shenmue, they really just kind of throw you in the deep end. It's really just kind of like this is just the world, mm-hmm. and you you know like you know going to that. Town well, there was and, no blueprint. I mean, you know, you know it was. Doing a lot of things for the very first time in video right. games, so like, you like go into this district and 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 ask people what's up, and I'm like, there's 40 people walking yeah. around the streets, you know, like I don't know, and 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 that was a little bit fatiguing for me, but not, I, nothing I would ever say like works against Shenmue or like was a mistake that they made. It's just yeah. it is it is what it is. It's just this world um, that's that's so deep, um, and uh, it has its. Um, uh, it has a very particular way of character interaction that's very Japanese. Yeah. Um, and so uh, uh, a lot of people were kind of like taken aback when they saw the debut video. And it's just like, whoa, you know, this game doesn't necessarily look like something that would come out, you know, in 2015. Um, yeah, but, I would agree with that. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, so, so while I, I, I don't necessarily have a history with Shenmue, I totally understand. And, you know, being, you know, like being from game trailers, like the hype that this has built up, you know, for the potential. That's what um, I want to talk about, though. Yeah. Is this game getting way more hype than it deserves? Because, look, I played Shenmue when it came out, and then you know, I think I played the European version of Shenmue 2. It never right. came out in North America. You go back and play those games now. I mean, you just said it. They're not that good. They're not that sellable. I'll say well, that. They weren't that. Well, they like, weren't sellable then either. Right. Like, the game did not sell well, so, which like, is why we never got the sequel in North America. Right. So Shenmue's in this really interesting place where you have, like, a lot of these. Uh, take, like, Bloodstained, for example, which came out. Like, you know, like, that. that's... That's really excited that Kickstarter, you know, uh, got got approved. But at the same time, 
that's I think that's like a perfect Kickstarter game. It's very scalable. You know, you're like now yeah. now you know now he's going in, he's building this world. And he can add, you know, it's like, oh, I got another million dollars? Well, I'll just add another area over here. You know, yeah. you're like, it's, it's so easily scalable. But then you have something like Shenmue where it's like, uh, the, the story is so specific. There's so much voiceover. The world like, is where so did, massive. When the extra money comes in, where does it go? Right. What do you use? To, what do you take that money to build? Not only that, but like there's no, uh, there's no small Shenmue 3. You know, there's no way to like, we're just going to make this small game. And then if we go past our, you know, Kickstarter thing or, or if we, you know, maybe do it episodically, you know, and then a Sony or a Microsoft's like, okay, we'll buy in on that. And then if that first episode does well, then we'll be able to do more afterwards. Like, you just got to do it. You just have to make Shenmue 3. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that's the reason why it just seemed almost impossible. It was like, everyone just needs to stop talking about this and stop being excited about it. Um, and it, like you said, it was it's kind of a niche thing. It's something that a lot of people uh, in this industry that have played a lot of games and are familiar with a lot of series just complete me, completely miss Shenmue. You know, they have no yeah. frame of reference on it. Like yeah. you had to check beforehand. Like, do you know anything about Shenmue? Yeah. <laughs> you know, who knows? You yeah, know, you yeah. Some people. I'm well, sure probably some of... of the guys that are working with you at GT, they were like eight years old when Shenmue came right. out. <laughs> so I'm sure, like, it, it, there was a possibility that there could be even some people at the Sony press conference, professional journalists at E3, there to get the news that are like, I. I never played any of those games. I really have no frame of reference. But at the same time, they cut to this guy standing, like almost in tears. Yeah, yeah. Just like I can't believe. And the guy looked like he was like twenty years old. I'm I was like, dude, this. you were yeah. like six when Shamu came out. Why are you so sad? <laughs> I think. I mean, I, I, I think it's. I think one of the big things, and probably the, the the thing that I understood before I really like there got, got into Shamu. <laughs> um, I think the big thing for me was. It's like if we never got Return of the Jedi. You know, yeah. it's, it's literally like you know, like Han's putting carbonite, Luke gets his hand cut off. Yeah, you know, the the, the we lose Hoth. You know, like all these horrible things happen, and then just radio silence for ten years. Yeah, yeah. Like, ah, you know, so especially since you know the the the, the first Shenmue one opens with your father being killed by right. this guy, and you yeah. never you never even get to where he's at because you story, never get revenge. You learn yeah. so many things. Yeah, um, it's kind of like you know Twin Peaks, where it like starts with Laura Palmer and then just ah, right, you know goes right. off in all these different crazy directions. Yeah. Um, and so I think, you know, I think it was one of those announcements that, like, the longer we got, the more it was apparent it wasn't going to happen. And then all yeah. of a sudden, boom. You know, and yeah. I think that was such a... Oh, look, I'm pleasantly surprised. Like, I want to wrap this I did play the first two games, and I do want the story to wrap up. But, you know, one, Yu Suzuki hasn't made a great game mm-hmm. in a really long time. I mean, it has been a hot minute or two since he's made a I great game. I couldn't tell you. I mean, I, I really couldn't tell you what he's been doing since Right, because he's know. been, like, absent for so long. He's had a couple small projects here and there that he's worked on, nothing to set the world on fire. And then another thing that concerned me is, like, they show the video of the game during the presentation, and eventually they put out the Kickstarter trailer. And I'm looking at the graphics, and I'm like, this game looks awful. Yeah. And then I'm like, but no. Probably what happened here is that they... Just built like a CG mock-up or whatever to kind of show what it looks like. But then yesterday, Yu Suzuki comes out and he's like, basically says, no, those are like the real graphics. And like, I want to change his face. And I'm like, wait, bro. Like, I don't know, man. Like, I'm excited that they're trying and I really hope that it comes out. And I hope it's the best open world game ever. But I'm really reticent to get too excited over it. Because I don't want to be let down, I guess is the thing. I'm cool with the visuals. You're okay I, with those graphics. I think it could actually look worse than that. Well, and, it could, for sure. And but. here, I'll, I'll make my case. Um, for some reason, I actually get really weirded out uh, by... I'm a big fan of continuity. You yeah. know, like, the fact that there's a different Jennifer in Back to the Future 1 and 2 that bothers me. You know, Because, like, again, we're video producers, and you as, look for that yeah. in everything you watch. As great yeah. as Elizabeth Shue is in Back to the Future 2 and 3, it bugs me. It's a different Jennifer. Yeah. You know, like, that, that, that stuff really bothers me. Like, um, and... You know, even going into Uncharted 4, which looks incredible. I was like, how can you say anything bad about Uncharted 4? 
to me, that looks like a totally different character now. You know, yeah. it's like they 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 they, up, they yeah. upres his face. Like I was talking to the director of Just Cause Three. It's like new voice actor for Rico and Just Cause Three. It seems like a totally different vibe they're going for with yeah. him. You know, like. Uh, he definitely seems much more down to earth and just kind of having this like crazy Latin like handsome flair. Like yeah. he definitely seems kind of more like a roguish like uh, gorilla type soldier guy. Um, and the, uh, to me, that I get kind of taken aback. But at the same time, it's just cost. I'm like whatever, I don't care. You know, it's not like I'm really like vested in the story. Yeah, I don't cost. think the developers are even invested in the story in that game. <laughs> so you know, I, th- I I think like when you finally get to that battle, when like Londi and you know the, the what's the, I don't remember the main character Shenmue. Like when you finally get to that fight. If it's like super HD and like his face looks totally different and like they recast, but his face a does look people, totally different. It, looks it doesn't little, even look like it looks him. a little bit different, but it's still it's still it looks more like it looks more like the old games than it, than Uncharted Four. You know, than like clearly like the visual upgrade. It doesn't look realistic. He looks here's, like a, here's what he looks I would like say about game here's character. what I would say about Ryu and the footage that they showed of Shenmue Three. If you put him in another game and they're like, who is that? I would never guess that's who it was supposed to be. Interesting. Okay. Other than, like, the Band-Aid, which he's saying now he's going to remove or something like that. I don't know. I just think uh, if you if you make it look uh, like it could potentially be on the Dreamcast or maybe, you know, whatever console we would have gotten from Sega yeah, you know, yeah. if that hadn't been their last system, um, then you can slide Shenmue 3 on your shelf right next to 1 and 2 and it's a complete package. As opposed yeah. to being like Shenmue 1, Shenmue 2, and then, whoa, this weird you know, game like that Final they made. But look at, like, Final Fantasy 7. I mean, it's not going to look like the original Final Fantasy 7. But it's not taking away from 7. We've still got 7. If you When you line all the games up, they still have this natural graphical progression. You know, yeah. you can kind of follow the evolution of the series. And so I think, like... For them, you know, it's uh, they, they just they really want it to be that final chapter, and I think well, like, take Return of the Jedi. Like it'd be weird if they had, if Return of the Jedi had come out in 1993 as opposed to 1983, yeah. and you have all this like like beginning of CG so, effects so and all this weird stuff. And it's honestly, like, I don't know. I think the effects they did in the Star Wars movies looks better than a lot of CG that comes. That's out That's a whole different conversation. I mean, I'll be but again, completely honest. It's just just the distance, you know. Like yeah. I think I think he really wants to make it feel like Shenmue, and yeah. I think part of that is just but then they showed the way like those games looked. the one shot where it's like going from like rock to rock across the creek like that just reminds me of like all the goofy stuff that was in the Shenmue games and like to even show that in like the debut trailer it just makes me really nervous man. maybe that's like, it you know but it's like well, who, who are we to say that to that guy in the crowd he's <laughs> like crying yeah, maybe the yeah. skipping across the rocks was his favorite moment from that video <laughs> it's weird like, Kickstarter is a weird thing when you when you make these passion projects when you yeah. make something that's like we're gonna make your dream come true it's like, do we do we then you know feel the need because we we're, we already got paid? He's got he's got like what he's approaching four million dollars. Yeah. I know it blew past three. It was like three and a half. Million but you now. can't make a game like Shenmue with four. You can't make a sh- game like Shenmue with forty million dollars no. right now. Like uh, you just can't. So, but so I wonder, like, are you making something that'll that'll appeal to everybody? Are you going to try to bring new? Uh, you know, obviously you will. Like, but is that really your intent? The you quick know? time events. Like, if the game is loaded with those quick time events, like. But well, well, if it's not, won't that betray you know what that series was? It's I mean, a there's that's a thin line to be walking on. I know right there. it's weird. <laughs> it's weird to go back in time, you know. It's like, but it, I, 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 the other reason I'm okay with graphics is like. I do kind of dig that. You know, I do kind of like, you know, game, like Cuphead. You know, yeah. we're like, this is, like, what am I looking at right now? This is weird. It's oh, like, Cuphead looks it's great. Like, it's like a modern game, but it's really based on old animation. So I do get this retro vibe to it, you know, and I, it's, uh, you know, there are still, you know, like tons of uh, independent games we got now. They're pixelated and, and they're they're like, I just want to make, you know, people have been clamoring for like, you know, Castlevania doesn't know what the hell it's doing. Konami in general doesn't know what they're doing. And people are just like, just Symphony, just that, just do it. I don't care if it looks yeah. any better or worse than that. Just that. Just give me more of these old old games that I love so 
Do you, you know, do you break the bank and make a whole new Shenmue three? You know, I, I honestly, I would prefer to have a game or? that looks like a modern game. Like it, to me, it would be distracting if it looks like it just. I mean, not even just like the models, but like the animation. I mean, everything just seemed really cut rate in that trailer that they showed so it, far. It, it charms me in a weird way, Shane. I don't, I don't know. I why. hope <laughs> it, I hope it's just a placeholder. And then the other side of this story is that a lot of people are complaining that Sony allowed Yu Suzuki to come on stage and basically plug his Kickstarter during right. a press conference. Yeah. And I honestly have no problem with this whatsoever. Yeah, neither do I. I don't know how interesting this conversation is going to be. Yeah. Because I, I think that's like a real... I mean, getting into like Gamergate stuff, it's like, it's like being... And, and, and for the record, like I, I was, this guy was editor-in-chief for a long time. Like this, you made all the tough decisions. You did yeah. all the business. And I like got to make fun videos and read voiceover all day. And like now for the last year, it's actually uh, like this week is like the one-year anniversary of me being editor-in-chief of Game Trailers. And oh, boy, that just blew by. Like so many things are coming up that I just never really thought of before and I really analyzed. And I'm like really seeing a lot of stuff like behind closed doors. Um, and th- it's just... That, that that iffiness of you being like, well, he's on stage, but he is making this announcement, and it is kind of cool that Sony's being like, we support this, and and Sony's really big on their community, you know, and so like we realize that, you know, th- we, we imagine that the Sony audience, there's a lot of Shenmue fans out there, so this does seem relevant, you know, but at the same time, you know, are they plugging that, or are they saying that we do want to give you money? That kind of like, eh, that gray area. Does it area, matter, though? Is there even a gray area, though? It's, always, it's, it's everywhere. It's for everything. Yeah, everything, right. everything is a gray in this, in this industry. You know, there's just no way to, to really, like, say, like, this is the right way that you should do it. Um, that that was bad specifically for this one reason. Um, I, and, and not to mention, the, I, think, I think if it hadn't been successful, I think if you were to say, like, if Shenmue 3 hadn't been at the Sony press conference, there's no way it would make... You know anything, and it's well, like I, I, know, I don't been, think that. I think, I think it, it probably regardless. would have eventually hit its goal, but yeah. I don't think it would have hit it in like like we were sitting here like on our live stream after the Sony press conference, and Matt is like, "It's at five hundred thousand. <laughs> five minutes later, he'd be like, "It's at eight hundred thousand. <laughs> like an hour later, he's like, "It's at like one point five million. And if it hadn't happened on Sony's stage, that never would have taken place. And it probably would have never reached what it's at now with like four. It probably would have got around two and would have petered a little bit, would have hit their goal, but then you know, there are other investors involved here. There's no way they're making this game for just a Kickstarter money. Right. It's a proof of concept basically saying, yes, there are people out there who still care about this franchise and still want this game to be made. And in my opinion, any publisher could have stepped forward and had it on its press con- in its press conference, but Sony's the one that did it. And so I think what you're seeing is a lot of people that are like, well, why was it at Sony instead of at Microsoft? Like, Instead of just looking at the better good of it, which is we're gonna get Shenmue three, like <laughs> yeah. whatever it took to get it there, like it's happening. And I just think people should be happy about the fact that we're all getting a game that we've all wanted. I probably would have liked to have seen it five, eight years ago instead of <laughs> yeah. instead of now. But whatever, better late than never. As Ryan Stevens like to say, better late than pregnant. Like right. <laughs> I, I'm totally fine. Like. I'm glad Sony that gave, gave them. I mean, the money that right. somebody would have to spend to get on that stage for that amount of time, I mean, you're talking millions of dollars. And Sony was just like, our community wants this game. We want this game. Let's give it to them. And that's pretty much what they did. And Sony's been doing that. You know, they, they had the same vibe. They did that with Tim Schafer last year. Right. They had Tim Schafer come out, and then they announced Grim Fandango. Yep. You know, and so it's like, they, they love that. They love, you know, kind of baiting you with like, hey, Sony community, do you like this? We're going to make it happen. We're going to help. It, it either in, in you know in publishing that or you know like uh, you know allowing that on our console or you know getting out here with the announcements and um, yeah maybe something that I would have you know thought could potentially be iffy I mean you can kind of see it in, in the way Adam Boy's presented that he was like 
just, you know, heads up, we're not, you know, we're not producing this game. This is a Kickstarter. It said Kickstarter, giant letters behind yeah, yeah. it, you know? So he was upfront about that. Even if they were producing it, I'd be fine with it. Like, yeah. I don't understand where the issue is here. Like, well, Rise it, of the would, Tomb Raider make, it would make X1. even more sense yeah. if they actually were the ones that were going to publish the game. Tomb Raider was one of Xbox's biggest things, you know? And it's just like, what you know, when they when they first got the Tomb Raider license, uh, when they first got, you know, Rise exclusive to the platform, you know, for a certain amount of time, they were like, this really makes sense for Xbox. I'm like, what? Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't think Xbox or I think of Tomb Raider doesn't make any sense. Either, you know? yeah. I'm like, and I, don't I think of PlayStation when I think of Tomb Raider because that's what I played the original Tomb Raiders right? on. Yeah. And, and I don't necessarily think of Sony when I think of Shenmue. Like, yeah. again, like none of that really makes sense. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, when somebody says, like, why, why Sony? It's like, because they made the deal, man. Yeah. They, they realized how important that Everybody, was. Everybody, look, Sega because, passed on this game for forever. Like, because you look at something. We just got done talking about Nintendo. You look at Nintendo with blinders on. You're like, what are you yeah. doing? Like, why don't you bring Zelda here? Like, why yeah. are you... Where, where, why is this, there's this disconnect between you and your fan base? And then you look at Sony, it's the exact opposite. Like, Sony yeah, realized yeah. they knew... Like, I'm sure there's a ton... I'm sure there's a tons of executives at Microsoft and Sony that would not understand for a second why Shenmue 3 would be big news. Yeah, yeah. Why that could potentially be one of the biggest things come out of E3. For sure, yeah. But Boys knows. He gets it. Yeah, know, yeah. He knows right away. Well, he used to work in they, the press, so... Yeah, and he knows, like, building that stuff up, you know, and, and doing it the right way, and that, that'll have an impact, not only, obviously, for, you know, the, the, the project itself and the Kickstarter, but for Sony, you know? The, iron, the ironic thing about it, too, is that a couple months before E3, these rumors started swirling around that Microsoft was actually working on Shenmue 3, so much so that Phil Spencer came out and said, no, 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 we're not doing anything. Yeah. And here we are, Sony swoops in, is like, well, we'll do something. <laughs> like, what's going on here? And next thing we know, there it is at the press conference. So ultimately, I think everyone just should just be happy. Like, we're, oh, gonna, we're sure. finally oh, going to sure. see the oh, end man. of the story of this. The trilogy is going to be wrapped up. Personally, I hope it's like a modern game and it isn't just another Shenmue because I think a lot of people will not like the game. Right. And I want it to be successful. I wouldn't mind seeing Shenmue 4, you know? Yeah, so. Yeah. I want it to be a game that people are going to like. That's my fear. And that's I feel like fear. if it is Shenmue 2.5 or whatever, right. I think that's a problem. What if, what if Suzuki gets like so you know high on his throne that he like finishes three and he's like, okay, well the big long D fight, we'll save that for four because four's he obviously could, he <laughs> can't do that. He could not. He that would <laughs> just burn every bit of fan equity he had left. Right. At so that I don't point. want Shenmue four. Just yeah, yeah. Wrap, wrap it up. You well, know, no, wrap up the series. story, but yeah, yeah. The cliffhanger, whatever. Yeah. They could do another one if it's good enough. And if it sells well, they yeah. will do another one. You know that much, Brandon. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Kickstarter's crazy, man. What a weird era. It is. I love it, though. It's great, man. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. I it's, mean, we're getting a real Castlevania. Even though it doesn't have the name, we're getting another Castlevania when right. Konami couldn't bother to serve its fans. So. Again, I love press. I love game trailers. And when you can just like merge like all of it. Like, development and advertising is all happening at the same time. It's, yeah. it's, it's fun. It's exciting. And there's no right or wrong way to do it. As is evidenced by people freaking out. You know, yeah, it's like, is sure. this kosher? Is this okay? Yep. So let's move on to the next topic. As you guys know, E3 is the one week where a game's fortunes can rise or they can fall. And we're going to talk about games that we feel like their E3 showing either sent them up into the stratosphere or it sent them sinking and kind of scrambling for for some more hype. So we're going to start, Brandon, with we're both going to pick two games. Yeah. And we're going to pick two games that we feel like their hype level or our anticipation for those games rose thanks to their their presence at E3 or their showing at E3. And then once we finish this, we'll go and we'll talk about two games apiece that we feel like our hype levels for those games dissipated a bit due to their E3 showing. So, Brandon, what is your first game that you feel like elevated its game at E3? Star Wars Battlefront. Battlefront. Uh, I 
I'm scared about this project. Uh, Battlefront 2 uh, is one of my favorite Star Wars games of all time. I did a Star Wars retrospective of game trailers, and when I was writing that, I was like, Star Wars Battlefront 2 is the best-selling Star Wars game ever? That's hard to believe. I, mean, I don't know if it, I don't know if they can say that now, because I don't know like, how much money Galaxy's made or yeah. how much money Old Republic is making right now, but like at the time, at the time Battlefront was the best-selling. Battlefront 2 came by and beat Battlefront 1. Uh, and... Uh, it was just so such a huge moneymaker for the you know for for Lucas and for you know uh, just promoting Star Wars in general and then just three like totally fizzled and uh, there were all these opportunities to bring it back and then they announce it and it's Battlefront again it's not Battlefront three and that always yeah. makes me nervous and, and what is it with this why EA, are they all of a sudden like why everybody's rebooting yeah, yeah like, it's like Doom is just Doom Need, Need for Speed's rebooting yeah. like yeah it's it's interesting well it's I think I think once one person does it, I think everybody kind of looks at. It's weird that we're in the era right now of like all of these franchises like restarting and reboot kind of has a negative taste to it, but yeah. at the same time, it's exciting to see a company. It's just a name though. Why? Right. I, I don't understand it. Like I don't. I, I can't get yeah. why they're like basically calling a game the same name as a game that they already released. So because it's EA and because we like the battlefields had some hiccups lately, I was like, oh, you know, Dice is doing it. I'm like, you know, on one hand, I'm like I don't know if. You know, and, and they're dealing with the, this third party. You know, so they got to like get assets from Lucas and like, oh, yeah. you know, I could see all sorts of stuff going wrong in between that. You know, sharing and um, and then like, so they announce it in the E3 fall, and we're like, here we go, we're gonna gameplay is gonna be rad. And then they get this weird like documentary thing where yeah. they're all talking about how much they love Star Wars. Yeah, and it's just like there were so many reasons why I'm like, I, I just don't see this thing happening. And then I played it, and oh boy, I, so I played uh, co-op survival mode and I played the Hoth battle. Yeah, um, and. It is, first of all, one of the best-looking games at the show. Oh, I mean, for sure. I mean, that is yeah. I mean, just the lighting and... Uh, I'd expect nothing less from DICE. Yeah, and, and you know, I'm a big Disney Infinity fan, yeah. and I actually haven't told any of the, the, the development staff this, but, like, the sound effects in the Infinity playsets are, like... Not like, right. Yeah, it's like Hans Blaster's, <laughs> like, okay. You know, yeah. so, like, they're, I mean, they're, they're, you know, Avalanche is a small team. That's why they brought in all these other developers to pull that off. But just, like, every, the engine noise, the guns, the explosions, yeah. like, even sound effects I never heard of before. And that makes where, a like, big difference. They have, like, there's lots of shield technology in Battlefront. So there's, like, uh, a power-up you can get. You, like, drop a shield and everybody can duck behind it. And just mm -hmm. being in that and hearing the laser blasts, like, ping off, off of that of it, and, like, yeah. the echoing inside, like... Um, and just the lighting, just the, like the way, you know, the, um, the explosions look incredible. Uh, it's difficult. You know, like I heard a lot of people that just got completely schooled in the survival mode. Yeah. You're doing like you're like um, a horde mode, basically, where right. you have like all these stormtroopers coming running just in. coming in, yeah. Uh, and uh, the fact that, you know, they, the, we saw a 20 on 20 gameplay demo. And they show that first at the press conference. Everybody's just like, oh, my God, we're finally seeing it. And they're like, okay, but that's probably smoke and mirrors. You know, there was probably, that was really rehearsed. And I bet it's not that crazy with all the ships and everything. And you get in there and, yeah, it's nuts. I mean, yeah. It's, uh, and it's, uh, and it seems like, to me, that they showed a lot. That they showed two different modes. That was more than I was, I was expecting, yeah, yeah. you know. And, uh they show that off. They they, they tease the, the the Jedi and 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 you know they tease Luke and Vader, but we didn't actually see that in the gameplay stuff. But we've seen. Yeah, but Luke. there will be lightsaber battles in the game, right? Because there'll be lightsaber it in the characters. Trailer, yeah. But I didn't get to play that at E3. They right. didn't have it in the game yet. Right. Yeah. Because they teased you. Because <laughs> they got now you're hungry. Now yeah. you want the lightsaber battles. Yeah. Uh, and I get the vibe that you know they 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 showed things in the first gameplay trailer when they had that gameplay reveal right after the Star Wars celebration, uh, and they teased little like here's a little Tatooine, here's a little that, right. you know, and and uh, here's this like you know volcano planet, and so I think there's like still more that we have to see, still more modes that they have yet to announce. P clearly more heroes. We've seen. Boba Fett, Luke, and Vader, and that's it. Yeah. So 
the reason why I was so surprised by its showing is the fact that we uh, that I got hands on, got hands on with more than one mode, that it looked better than I was expecting, that it yeah. sounded really great, that I had a lot of like legitimately just had a lot of fun. I was like bantering with the guys that I was playing with. Yeah. Uh, and it seems like they have so much more to show, and they've you know they're they're it's coming out right before uh, episode seven, so like they can't buck that. You know they can't yeah, just yeah, they can't sure. just show up in October no. and be like enjoy episode seven. <laughs> we'll see you in two thousand sixteen. Like yeah. that's not happening. It's coming. Yeah. Um, so I, there's just so many signs for it just being more on track than I than I thought it would be, um, and I think you know it's maybe unfair that it's up because I had so many reservations going into it. Yeah. But um, it's always nice, you know, checking out a project you're really excited for, but kind of nervous about it. E3, and then it just rings, you know, all the bells go off. It's great. That game for me, I almost added that to my uh, two down. Believe it or not, I was I mean, I'm a big Star Wars fan, just like you. Not right. as big as you or Matt. You guys actually trump me in knowledge of Star Wars, which is we'll, rare. We'll try later. We'll see. We'll arm wrestle. I want to see Wars a Star Wars off between you. Two guys, that would be something worth. worth he's got, I don't know. I don't, he doesn't have a camera on him, but he's got a badass shirt. He's got it's the emperor's uh, background behind his throne room. It has an emperor penguin. Yeah, it's pretty front. sweet. It's excellent. Yeah. So look, I love Star Wars. I grew up with it. You know, original trilogy. I, I'm an apologist for the second trio of movies. Right. Like I, I can still watch them and enjoy them. Like I can sit on both fence. I am a dyed in the wool Star right. Wars fan, and so I was really maybe that's what it is. I was really excited about this game going in, and then once I played it at E3, I was disappointed in it because. I'm also a big shooter player, yeah. and I've played a lot of shooters, and I don't just play them like, until I finish the campaign and throw them away. Like, then I play the multiplayer for months after that. It's kind of like the game that I pick up when I have 30 minutes to play while I'm waiting for my wife to get ready to go to dinner or whatever. Like, right. uh, shooters are just kind of a part of like, my everyday life. And in all honesty, as somebody who plays a lot of shooters, I felt like the gameplay was pretty shallow. Like, just the way the aiming works, and like, I don't see serious... First-person shooter fans really liking this game. Like, I'm sure they'll play it, and you know, it, I, they're maybe they're smart in doing it this way because Star Wars is sort of a casual franchise, and maybe they want people who aren't just first-person shooter fans to get into it, enjoy it, and play it. I understand why they did it that way, but just from my perspective, what I enjoy about first-person shooters and how I play first-person shooters. I felt like it was a little bit shallow. Sure. Game. Uh, I, I think, well, like to to draw a comparison to something that I think has a really strong multiplayer offering right now uh, is Black Ops Three. Yeah. Uh, and I played that before um, at an event where they announced that, and then I uh, played it again at the show. And that's like so focused on movement. You know, they yeah. really want to make it accessible. Like you vault over stuff really easy. You can slide. You can wall run and aim in any direction while you're doing all of this stuff. Yeah. So it's really like you said, like that minute to minute. That was our argument with Far Cry Four and, and uh, Wolfenstein last year for Shooter of the yeah, Year yeah. because uh, uh, I acquiesced that Wolfenstein in general had better shooting. You know, but to yeah. me it was like the world of Far Cry and how all that stuff came to, came together that edged it out for me. Yeah. And I think in something like Destiny and something like Call of Duty, the actual shooting is better. You know, yeah. it's just there's just there's more you can do. The weapons are more interesting. But when you think of, like, being on Hoth and the possibility of, like, you know, getting, like, a power-up rocket launcher and then having some guy in a TIE fighter be like, I'm going to dog... What? And you get blown up. Like, what happened? It's like, that was a guy on the ground that yeah, took yeah. you out. That just got some, you know, magic shot. You know, yeah, yeah. I think it's, like, the, the, the scale and the world of those battles, not to mention, obviously, the nostalgia. And uh, one of the things that kind of, like... Uh, uh, bumped people out initially when they when they first saw and you mentioned this before the show not to like steal something you were going to bring up but the yeah. fact that you can't control AT-ATs yeah. I, I've officially learned it's AT-ATs now but I'm still calling them ATs I don't, I don't care, care man they've always um, been called AT-ATs um, the fact that you can't you that, that in the mode they showed at Endor even though they did show that you can kind of control them uh, in the Hoth battle 
uh, that's like, oh, it's a specific mode, but I kind of dig that because I think that's really smart if you're going to have a licensed product, have modes where I get right to the good stuff, where yeah. it really kind of sets up these fun cinematic moments where you, where, you know, they haven't really talked a lot about, how, like, how, how does Vader come in? Who's controlling him? How does it, does he come in once during match? Right. You know, and... Uh, setting those those conditions where it'd be fun to have multiplayer mode that was just heroes, you know. For like, sure, yeah. so I'm looking forward to that stuff. I'm looking forward to them to do things that maybe Call of Duty doesn't do, where they kind of shoehorn you into a specific mode. They really want to have it be diverse. But I think Battlefront is a smart game to do that because you want to recreate these specific moments, yeah, yeah, yeah. these memories. And don't get me wrong, I'm still very excited for the game. But I could see myself playing it for like a month and kind of getting my Star Wars nostalgia kick, and then maybe moving on to something else. Sure. And I also kind of wonder if it didn't have the Star Wars skin if it would have as much hype as it does now. Which, uh, no, it would not. Yeah. But it's, I, I have a group of friends of mine uh, that, uh, huge Star Wars fans. These are the guys that did Star Wars the Musical when I was in high school. Yeah, yeah. They, they, like, and so, Look like, that up on YouTube. Yeah, Star Wars Musical on Vimeo. <laughs> Look it up. Uh, but, uh, uh, and, and, like, once, like, two or three times a year, uh, you know, we all have, like, an email chain where we all talk to, to each other. We've known these guys for, like, 15, 20 years. And, uh, and games will pop up. Destiny was one of them. You know, yeah. where like they were just kind of murmuring. We'd be like, should I get this? What console were we getting it on? And like, there's always that attempt to like yeah. rekindle that high school magic of us all yeah, playing the sure. same game yeah. at the same time. And right after that, you know, gameplay hit, you know, we all just immediately... Everyone buy like, a PS4. Yep, they were like, okay, yeah. PS4. And some guys were like, oh, Xbox One. It's like, tough, you're getting a PS4. Yeah, that's one of the things <laughs> I love about games in general, how it can bring people together. And I think that uh, just because we're such huge Star Wars fans, it's like, finally, it's interesting to see that, like, click. There's no question that we're all going to be playing that game. But who knows? I think the big thing with Battlefront now is how much are we getting? How many heroes? How many modes? How many planets? Uh... Um, we have to leave something what, for the rest of the year to promote. How right? do I customize my soldier? You know, all those specific answers I think will be uh, um, that'll determine really how you know. Well, they said you won't be able to color that. Darth Vader. They said there'll be no yeah. green Darth Vader no running pink around. Darth Vader. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember. Yeah, pink lightsaber shucks. All right, so it's time for me to move on to one of my picks. This might be a little controversial, maybe not, but one of my one of the games that I feel like after seeing it th at this year's E3, I am less excited for is No Man's Sky. I are we doing up or down? Oh, I'm sorry, up. That's I, I made a mistake there. So that was a tease. That was a trailer for a later segment <laughs> on, on uh, Game Face. Right. So one of the games that my hype level was really low for, but now I'm really excited for, is Kingdom Hearts Three. And look, I've never been a Kingdom Hearts fan, and not because I don't like the properties. I love Square and I love Disney. But what I found is when I go to actually play the games, like they were so simple that it just seemed like the gameplay was actually sure. like a means to an end. And this footage that they've shown at E3, the gameplay and the combat looks like it has been completely redone, reworked. It's like 500 times deeper than it was before. And so all of a sudden, a game that I really wanted to like all this time but never really did is a game that it looks like I might actually be able to enjoy Here's the shot. Here, wait, no. Here's the shot coming up. It's when he jumps. When he jumps off the cliff, that's the shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Because, like, you boom, right there. Yeah. Because like, <laughs> uh, one of the things, I, I dabbled in Kingdom Hearts 1. I reviewed Kingdom Hearts 2. Yeah. Uh, so I played that whole game. And it, everything, it just felt like corridors and stuff like that. I don't want to get into a Kingdom Hearts argument. Like, yeah. our, our, like a lot of people in our community are incensed with me because, like, I'm a, I am a massive Disney fan. Yeah. Huge. No, I know that for a fact. Yeah. Huge. You're one of the biggest Disney fans I know. I grew up in SoCal. I went to Disneyland when I was two. And it's, yeah. Disneyland's just my favorite thing in the world. I love video games, but Disneyland just destroys it. Um, 
But at the same time, I and I love Square. I'm a huge Final Fantasy fan. So you think I'm putting these two things together, but it just like kind of goes off on its own tangent so much that like I just you know I. Well, it's I also really very random. It. Yeah, and working <laughs> like, with someone like Mike Damiani for so many years, you think it would yeah. just like you know rub off on who me. loved Kingdom Hearts. Um, but yeah, I think they. Uh, I, I we saw more of this game at the show than I think we yeah. were than I was expecting. Oh yeah, way more. Kind of we're sitting there scene. watching the Square press conference, and it's so funny. There was some like huge fans at the press conference. And the first time they mentioned Kingdom Hearts, they're like, and we're going to go to it now. And like, you hear the fans go, yeah! <laughs> and then they show a mobile game. Yeah. And then they like sit down, and Matt and I were sitting here, we're like, all those poor people. And then we're like, poor us! Like, are they going to show Kingdom And then they did show Kingdom Hearts 3. And I thought it would just be some crappy CG trailer. Not crappy, but, yeah. you know, I want to see the game being played. Yeah. And I just thought it was going to be another CG trailer where they're like, please remain excited while we work <laughs> on this game. And sure enough, they show off like a ton of gameplay from the game, and I was pleasantly surprised by what they showed finally from this game. Looks awesome! Like, oh, yeah. definitely picking things from the Disneyland, uh, 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 the Disneyland vault that are very bright and shiny. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of cups spinning around yeah, and fireworks, yeah. and like the big ship that's all lit up. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, yeah, lots of light bulbs in the, yeah. <laughs> in the Kingdom Hearts gameplay. Um, but I think it, I, I think you, you, you've touched on it, Shane. It just looks, boy, does that look fun. Yeah. Boy, does that game just look really great, you know, and it looks like a fun world to run around. And the Kingdom Hearts is all about those worlds. And clearly this is, I'm guessing this is like the Tangled map that we're seeing, you know, because they had that, they had the director coming out from Tangled. Yeah, yeah. Which is also an interesting announcement. I want to touch on that a little bit. But um, you just, it's, it's really smart to focus on just one of those things and kind of show how big it could be because then the mind wanders like, wow, if that's just one of those worlds. Right, right. And if we're going back to worlds that we've been to in other Kingdom Hearts games, are they going to be different, bigger? Right. You know, have more stuff in them. Play better. Um, but, you know, just kind of, uh, you know, talking about when we were uh, getting back to a topic before, we were talking about, like, Need for Speed's rebooted, Hitman's rebooted. Like, all these things are, are kind of, like, going back to the drawing board. Um, it seems like Disney's doing that, uh, with, certainly with Star Wars, where they, like, kind of, like, erased the expanded universe. Right. And they're, like, restarting a lot of their own stories with their own shows and comics and stuff. It was interesting for Disney to kind of step out and talk about, uh, for them to be like, hi, we're here at Disney, and Disney's going to talk about Yeah, that was a big Kingdom deal, Hearts. yeah. Because it usually really comes from, like, the the, um, the Square camp. It does, You know, yeah. when they release media, and then having the guy from Tangled come out and be like, we're really excited about, you know... Um, well, there's even, like, about... the Disney copyright on the trailer when it starts. Yeah. Like, it doesn't have, like, a bunch of Square branding. It's, like, got the little Disney watermark down in the bottom right. So, you know, talking as much as I have with John Vignocchi, who's, you know, uh, leading Infinity, and how difficult it is, how, like, there's no win-win across the board. Every single time they work with a the property, they're starting way back at square one to, yeah. re- to really help explain to them, like, okay, I know you don't play video games, but this is what we're doing, you know, yeah. and like, and I know you you're, you don't know Final Fantasy, you know, from a hole in the ground, but, you know, Trust me, to, like, set this up. <laughs> and you get the vibe from that Tangle guy that he's like, this is fun, I'm excited about this. Yeah, you know? yeah. And so it's like, whoa, like maybe they're going to get crazy access that they haven't had before, or maybe they're really going to dig deep and get some crazy properties out of Disney that have never been in, in Kingdom Hearts before. So while on one hand, you know, you're sitting, watching two guys sit in a chair and it's like, this is not what I wanted. Yeah. I, I think that, it, I think there that's... There's value in that for sure. I think that's, I think that was interesting and possibly foretelling of how big this game could get, which means you're going to get it even later than you were expecting. Yeah, probably right, yeah. So, Brandon, what's the second game for you that really uh, showed well at E3 and has raised your hype level for it? The Last Guardian. Yeah. Uh, because, A, it's happening. It's a real thing. Yeah. Um, I, I, get, I really get burnt on stuff like this. Uh, how many meetings did we sit in at GT before a show started? And we're we, like, okay, we're doing our most anticipated of right. whatever game show it was. Right. How many times did we sit there and go, are we going to do it again? Are we gonna it get, wasn't on our list. Are we going to get burned again? It wasn't on our list. Star Fox got bumped. Star Fox was at number 10. And then, like, literally, like, a couple days before I was going to cut the video, we were like, 
Oh man, you know, and like we're just talking to some other people. I guess I mean I can say it now, but like I bumped into some people before, like in leading up to E3 that were like, "It's gonna be there." They're yeah. Like, well, the Guardian fact, broke the story. Yeah, yeah, they were like, "It's yeah, the Guardian of all places." Yeah. Um, oh, but I mean, they broke a story, but you just you don't know. You know, yeah. it's like they, because they, there were people who had reported before that it was gonna right. show up. Somebody yeah. mentioned that uh, uh, Guillermo del Toro is gonna be making a Fallout trailer or something. It was Fallout, right? Yeah. And like we st- we haven't seen that yet. You right. know, so it's like you can still hear about something, but it doesn't necessarily mean it is happening or necessarily at E3 that it's right. happening. Uh, and uh, so I, you know, obviously that demo was really great that we saw saw a little bit more of it behind closed doors. Uh, and yeah, the extra footage there wasn't much really, and it's it just yeah, a little bit. You basically get an introduction yeah. to, to the to the character to Trico, um, and it's funny because I talked to some people that were down on it, and they're like, I don't know, man, I just see the most frustrating uh, escort quest ever for a whole game. But there's something. Well, that's what Eco was. Yeah, and which is why I, I, Shadow of the Colossus is definitely like more of my cup of tea out of the, the the projects that we've gotten from him. But at the same time, there there is something really exciting about um, you know now that you know visuals are obviously great in this gen, but you know developers are looking to maybe do some more things with maybe with like interactivity between consoles or online options or different modes that people hadn't you know anticipated before. And AI is obviously something that you know. There's leaps and bounds that we still need to make, yeah. you know, to really creating like believable uh, environments and believable interactions between characters. And it's it's fascinating to me, like, to be in this world and something I really think about with Last Guardian because I thought it'd be really canned what he did. It's just kind of like he's just kind of a moving platform, you know. You're yeah. just kind of like following him. He's kind of like that thing in Gears where they're all like battling on it, you know. Right. It's just like you're just gonna kind of hang out with him and then he's gonna guide you through the world. And seeing the demo and seeing that like. He's kind of a loose cannon. You don't really know what this thing's going to do. And, yeah. and when you see him at a distance, he's just this adorable, you know, little, like, you know, bird dog. You know, and you fall in love with this guy. But when he gets really close and, like, one of his talents, scary, like, yeah. boom, <laughs> like, like, lands right next to you, you realize, like, well, he's a feral beast. Oh, like, he can you kill know, we, you, yeah, easily. And so, it, yeah, it is kind of this, uh, as, as, as Mike Huber likes to say, an uneasy alliance. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 b- between these two characters and... Um, and, and just the fact that, you know, uh, that they could, you know, it, it's, and also some people were kind of, got shot down a little bit because they're like, oh, we saw this. You know, this was the this Yeah, was the it was kind of weird. They waited all this time to show the game and we get to see the same exact stuff that they had shown before. But at the same time, like, isn't, wouldn't that be the ultimate proof of concept? That, like, yeah. would, wouldn't people be a little nervous if they, we finally see Last Guardian and then they throw this, like, other weird level at us. And we're like, oh, okay, this part's cool, but what about, you know, I would have loved to see that. That bit before where the the, the, the platforms were crumbling and yeah. he was running, you know, and like so, uh, I think it was just kind of like a one to one, you know, comparison between like what you thought it was going to be, and then now we're going to prove it, and we're actually going to show you this this section of the game. Um, yeah, the only thing I can think negatively about it is it's not the, the most gorgeous game I've seen that's available yeah. on PlayStation Four. I mean, you, you can only expect so much from a game that was in development for a really long time for an old platform, and they're trying to revive the game. Right. It's like. I think it still looks good. Yeah, it's not and, an and, ugly game. But I mean, you look at something like Shadow of the Colossus, and like that is that is a a, a beautiful game in many ways, but not necessarily necessarily like technically. Yeah, yeah. like there's no one in the world. You know, like yeah. you're just running through the giant open wastelands of. Because they had and to dirt. spend all the polygons on the giant creatures. But at so. the same time, the draw distance is just nuts in Shadow. You know, yeah. and 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 the way things move and animate, and so uh, again, it seems like the same kind of thing. You have the, the scale of this creature and the way he animates and. Uh, and just Do you think part fact- of it is that people just didn't realize what kind of game this is? I think a lot of people looked at it and, like, a lot of the footage that came out first, there was action in it. Like, he was always running and, like, trying to get away from something. But here we see what the game really is, which is it's really a puzzle game. Yeah. With a little bit of light stealth in it where you just basically need to use the abilities of these two characters to navigate 
through the environments. I mean, that's really what the game is. And that, in that way, it's really a lot more like Eco than Shadow of the Colossus. Right. Well, I think it's actually an interesting melding of both. I think, like, and that's why I did kind of get what game this was. It just, like, all the little elements that I hadn't considered kind of were sprinkled on during E3, and, and that's why it was one of my favorites. But I mean, you have Eco, so you have this, like, really mysterious world, like you say, an escort quest, where yeah. you're, like, trying to get through, solve these environmental puzzles, and bring this character along with you. Um, it's not necessarily open world. It is a linear experience where you're, like, constantly discovering these, these new areas. Then you have Shadow, where you're dealing with these, these massive structures. So, like, yeah. scale was a huge deal. Even on PS2, it's like, I can't believe they're pulling this stuff off. And so it's like, how do I manage, in a platforming action-adventure sense, working around these giant things and how they move through the environment? And so it's just like, you put those two concepts together in the yeah. same game, and you get Last Guardian, you got the puzzles, you have, like, right. the scale of seeing the size of this guy move around the environment. Well, there's also, I mean, we're showing it right now, you have to actually scale... Him. Psycho. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's another thing that like yeah. when you when you're on him and he jumps, you yeah. know, it's like that's again just reminds you of like yeah. the, the, his size and, and what he's capable of doing. That was um, one of the things that actually put me off a little bit on this demo is that there's some like inconsistencies in the demo. It's like and look, it's go to what you were saying earlier about he, how he's the animal's kind of a loose cannon, and you don't know what to expect. When you're playing with like a game though, like I don't know if I'd want a game where I don't know what this tool that I need to use to progress, if I don't know what it's going to do, that could be very frustrating. Like sure. it even showed like even in this very little demo, there's like one scene where the animal is basically trying to make you jump this gap, but then in another scene he's like you get on his back and he jumps a gap even farther than that. It's like and they, well, but the one thing that they point out in the demo is that you can do that. When they so they the way they set up the demo when they played it is he jumped across and then you jump and he catches you in his beak. But they said when he made when he made that jump over, if you see him getting ready to pounce, you could oh, you, cl you could climb up it. and grab him. Oh, okay, he, good. And then you wouldn't have to do that whole sequence. Good, good. I did not see that little. So and that so. and that's kind of fun, like having oh, a for sure. having a physicality to puzzle solving. That Portal had a little bit of that, where yeah. like because you could propel yourself in so many different directions, there were some uh, you could cheat kind of, and there were some things. Yeah. And the developers said that like when they had people like like work their way around in a creative way, they're like, we didn't fix the game, we just clapped and said good job. And, yeah, you know, yeah. if you could figure that out, go for it. Um, yeah, I just I, I, selling the 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 two up as um, you know games that we were pessimistic about going into it. If I was to get my hands on this game, I'd be really excited. It wasn't necessarily the game I was really pessimistic about. I yeah. was just so burnt. I mean, you you mentioned yeah. how many years were we as journalists like should we try to create some buzz around this and get yeah. people talking about it and then just be you know have our hearts crushed or we end up looking like fools. Right. There were actually a couple of times where I would get tips from people from Sony or whatever and be like, and I'd be like, hey, you think we should include this on our list? And look, they have a hidden agenda. They want all their games to be included in every list. Right. But I would take that with a grain of salt. And like, there were people that I trusted that were like, "Yeah, you're good. Yeah. You're you're good." And I remember I went into a meeting one time, and I'm like, "It's going on." I'm like, "I just got the word," and then it didn't show up. Right. And then you know, I emailed them they're like, "Oh, well, it was last minute cut. Sorry." And it's like, you know, it was a lot of years of frustration finally culminating in the game being debuted finally. And, and hopefully I, and it's think, really coming this time. And I think I think the I think one of the things that I'm I'm hoping that could possibly uh, counteract um, uh, just the the whole uh, you know dragging him along the whole escort quest mentality is is just just looking at him. You know, just really seeing this honest interaction, seeing him like realize things, like yeah. you know, seeing him discover things in the environment. Like you had the little food barrels that you throw to him, and like when they did the demo, he chucked one and like missed by a mile. Right. And the Trico like. Yeah, what are you doing? You kind of like yeah. looked at the character just like, yeah, try now, there's again, so dude. much personality in that monster, man. It's, I mean, we all know what's going to happen in this game. Right. <laughs> it's like, you know it's going to die. 
Well, like, I, I mean, now we're, now I think we can I'm preparing move, myself emotionally for that. Now. now we can move past the story because he is the last guardian. So right. maybe, like, maybe this is a thing that's like passed on through time, where right. like, he he was a little tiny thing when it first started out. So maybe right. at the end you get to the place where like he dies and then he's becomes reborn. <laughs> so in the end, like, and, and rebirth is actually like a big deal in his stories. Yeah. You know, like you kind of get that at the end of the la- uh, Shadow of the Colossus has that story right. where it's kind of like you know the world is, is reborn again. So maybe like you know the the cre- spoiler alert the credits the last guardian will be you with a little guardian with yeah, little horns, little puppy, you know, yeah. just, like, <laughs> taking him into a new world. Yeah. So my last up pick for this segment is Super Mario Maker. And it's a game that like I thought, oh, that's a really cool idea. And you know, I'll I'll probably like it when it comes out, but I don't really care about it now. And this is to the point we were talking about earlier where I said Nintendo needs to have live press conferences because what sold me on this game was the Nintendo World Championship. Watching this game on there sold me on it because the levels that the Treehouse had created, like Holy crap, man. <laughs> like, they had kind of shown, like, really simple tools before that and, like, not really shown off what it could really do. But at that event, like, that's where you really saw the flexibility of this tool. And this is where you really saw the capabilities of what you can do with it. And when you start thinking about the fact that people can build levels and share them, the game starts to sound really, really freaking awesome to me. And then you, I went to Nintendo's booth, and it was had taken over the whole booth. And... They had like a, a big demo where they were showing how easy it was to put things together and snap the stuff together and still make things that were compelling. And they were, had a guy there talking about when he built his level for the Nintendo World Championships and how, you know, there's this whole like psychology behind it. Like how mean do you want to be to other people? And, I, you know, it's not going to be game of the year. And right. I, it won't be my. It's per- not going to be game of the show. It won't, it's not going to be game of the show. <laughs> it won't even be my personal game of the year. But for something that I was like... Yeah, I'll probably play it to now, like, oh, I'm definitely going to play it, and I can't wait to download levels. To me, it had a huge jump from where I was with the game before the show to where I am now that I've come out of E3. And we we always had it. It was always tricky. It still is, like, explaining to uh, our audience at Game Trailers whenever we do something for disappointing, whether it's, like, disappointing of the year or disappointing of the show. You have to, like, explain your psychology. That's that's always messy. We're not saying it's bad. (laughs) Like, we can still be disappointed in a game that we're definitely going to play. It just it's a comparison between where we were at here at this point and where we're at now. And so, yeah, it's like Super Mario Maker is not going to be like yeah. the game, you know, that you're freaking out about, you know, when it comes out. But it's not going to sell a ton of consoles. But either. it's but it surprised you, and yeah. uh, and it's it, it it it's interesting because it's something we don't see a lot at E3 is competition of new games. Yeah, you know, so it's rare that like like when Killer Instinct was debuted on the Xbox stage, that was such a buzzkill. Yeah, you know? it was, it was just yeah. like they just threw a logo, and then they had this guy come out that just like beat the crap out of some poor lady who right. like wasn't good at Killer yeah. Instinct <laughs> versus. Get a couple of pro guys out there. You like really have a see a match that like the whole crowd can get into. Yeah, yeah. And I guess like you know what if it breaks or like what if these like pro gamers are doing things they shouldn't do with the game or you know worst case scenario don't like it. You know yeah. like they 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 get to check it out for the first time and they're like eh, I don't know actually right. like that. <laughs> that would be disaster. Um, so yeah, that was really cool for Nintendo. You have to yeah. have these. People I also check think it, it needs cre- lends credence to the fact that they, if they're going to unveil NX at next year's E3, they need to do a live event because live events just have more impact, man. There's just something about knowing. Something right. is happening at the moment you're watching. I mean, it goes to why people watch Twitch and live streams, why people are watching us right now. It's because right. the immediacy of it, it does something psychologically that well, makes yeah, you... I don't... Because I don't, I don't, you're on yeah. edge, because you know if something bad happens, you're going to see it. And they can't cut away in time. Like, it's going to be there, and it's going to be there for all to see. There's that right. nervousness of watching anything live that builds into anticipation and tension and... You just can't get that when you know you're watching something that's already been predetermined and pre-produced. 
I don't watch, I don't rewatch that, you know, uh, Twilight Princess reveal at E3 because, yeah. like, I like the pose Miyamoto does with his sword. Like, yeah. I like the guy in the way back of the theater, like, oh my god! You know, like, Even the whole theater. you can hear yeah. the crowd, like, and you hear those moments. It's always fun. And they actually try to cut that out at a lot of press oh, events. I know, where, like, I know. they'll kill the sound, and then, like, okay, we'll go back to the mic, and just the guy's mic on stage is picking up oh, all yeah. of that craziness oh, yeah. happening in the crowd. Yep. Yeah, and it's, uh, uh, yeah, it's addictive, and it, it, it's uh, it's you definitely like absorb that excitement, especially because you know like the vast majority of the people that are uh, talking about E three and and uh, experiencing E three aren't at E three. You know, yeah. they're experiencing it online, and so um, any way you can bring people in, um, you know, just like like Sony had the theaters, you know, around. Right. And that was an interesting. Uh, yeah, that was an interesting. That's play. the second year actually that they'd done that. They did it last year too. So, so you think about FF seven, like when that bomb dropped in that in a theater in like boom, Omaha, boom, Nebraska, boom, boom. or yeah, whatever. Like, yeah. Ah, everybody's freaking hugging crazy. each other like <laughs> people they never met in their life. They're, yeah. You know, it's great. Wet sloppy kisses. Again, it's live though. That's that feeling. Like you yeah. can't get that watching something pre-recorded. So I hope that they'll switch gears for next year and come back and do E three right. And now it's time for us to switch gears and start talking about games that did not improve in height. You go first. You spoiled one. Well, I already spoiled one. Yeah, so I guess I'll go first. My first pick was No Man's Sky. Um, I just can't watch another demo of this game that's like, it's so vast, but there's nothing to do. It's like, yeah, sure, there's a billion. You can, you can randomly generate as many planets as you want to. It's like, right. okay, here's the tools. Here's all the elements that we have. Let's throw them into an algorithm and we'll spit out these planets. And then we'll just keep spitting them out. That doesn't impress me. Right. Like, you you can do that very easily. What would impress me is if you got to each one of those planets and there was something actually worthwhile to do. And Matt, before the show, he said something very prophetic. He was like, you said, like, this planet could be boring. Like, in the demo, he's like, this planet could be boring. It's like, why would you have... Even the chance of a planet being boring in there. And you're telling me that I'm picking from, like, thousands of planets and some of them could be boring? Well, it's the, it's the uncertainty. You know, like, if you find a cave in Minecraft, it could be a boring cave, but you don't know. You know, like, you yeah. literally knock that wall down and you see just pitch blackness in there. It's like, you know, like, yeah. this could literally be five blocks deep or it could be a million, you know? And it's, yeah. it's just that wonder. And it's, yeah, I think that's, like, the main thing. But that's... And see, look, again, see, I, I want to go back to what you were saying before. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying I'm not excited about this right. game. Right, Or I don't want to play it. Or curious. I am excited or about it. Or if somebody was like, I do you know, want to play it. I'm just taunting saying... Taunting the USB stick in front of you wouldn't just snatch it out of their hands and install yeah. it right away. I'm just saying my hype level was at 10, and now it's right. teetering around like a 6.5 or a 7. Right. Uh, I think the big thing for me is... is you know, if you're, uh, again, just, I always bring it back to game trailers and advertising, but like, if you're, so you have a show, or you have a game and you're announcing it, and you have like a huge bullet point list of, say, like a hundred items that are potential things you could bring up about the game. You know, it's like, and then obviously you want to start at the top of the list and save the rest of it. So you like, okay, these six, we're going to save that for TGS. These 10, we're going to save that for E3. You know, this little bit, you know, like, uh, like for some reason, like Batman Arkham Origins multiplayer that comes to mind. It's like, oh, that was cool when that was announced. Like, oh, we get to be Batman and Robin at the same time. That'll be fun. Um, So just those little bits are like, we're going to save those. Uh, I noticed, um, uh, I'm sure you've gotten this before. When you go and you interview people, you have that PR person behind the camera that has that list. And is noting when they see the conversation start steering and like, no, no, wait, wait, wait. You know, like, don't announce that that yet. And I feel like No Man's Sky has constantly been retreading the first five beats of that list. Yeah. And they really need to get into specifics. And the, well, he the, tried and to the show, he's is, like, and look, here's some space combat. Pew, pew. Now let's move on. I only have right. three minutes. But it's <laughs> like every time he brings something up, I all of a sudden have like 20 questions. Yeah. And just those questions never get answered. And there, uh, a lot of people actually have been, we had an infamous uh, uh, No Man's Sky argument uh, in our coverage of E3 between myself and Ben Moore. 
And um, a lot of people have sent me articles, and they're like, oh, here, there's, there's this Games Radar piece, or there was this thing that they, you know, popped up in this magazine where they actually list all the things that you can do. And it's like, cool, do that at the press conference. You yeah. know, like, ha- like come out on stage. Uh, uh, Fallout, for example, like, they, um, uh, they came out on stage and they... Um, uh, brought you like you know like they basically introduced lots of different tiny bits of gameplay so right. you got like little and, and that's a really tricky thing to do and Todd Howard did it expertly we're like watch this in the background and I'll talk you through it you know it's yeah. like what you're looking at now is this what you're looking at now is this and he really wanted to show the game off and it's something where you really have to give me little like like an appetizer plate where you like just give me a little sample like mining show me mining like show, like like they were talking about trading they're like oh you can trade and there's these posts that you go and you drop your stuff off like show me that yeah show me literally the HUD that comes up and we're like show me my inventory yeah you know like you can upgrade weapons like show me show me what it looks like yeah not so that I finally have validation of why the game is exciting but so that I can see like oh, okay so that's what I'm gonna do you know and like. They just, they still... I just feel when, like when the game... When he back and showed the planets, I was like, you're not doing this again, please. Like, I'm okay actually... with games that don't have a lot of purpose to them. Yeah. But typically, games like that last, like, a few hours. And that's not really what this game is. This is one of those epic games that we're supposed to be playing for months and months. And it just seems like it's another, like, indie wandering game that's just been extrapolated out, based upon what they showed at E3 anyway. It's been extrapolated out to, literally, to infinity. Right. (laughs) So, again, I'm excited for it. I still want to know more. Yeah, I'm so excited. I don't think it's coming out this year. And part of the reason why I complain about it so much is because I'm so excited, because I want these details. And it's, it's, it's tough because you can have two different arguments about No Man's Sky. You can say the game doesn't look good, but my argument is it's just not selling itself well. It's yeah. just not. And, and granted, it's tricky. You know, that this is, this is a PR nightmare about, like, how do we show this? How do we get, you know, B-roll from this company? You know, because I, I imagine it's constantly changing. You know, they're constantly evolving things. Um, it just, yeah, it needs to uh, move on to the next stage. It doesn't its, seem its like there's going to be any... Like, there are going to be any, like, um, set-piece moments in this game. Like, is there any big event that happens? Like, yeah, But then again, you know, it's like, people would argue. Or you it's just like, wander around and just randomly there, explore yeah. planets. And There are people that would trade 50 of those Call of Duty set-piece moments for this one genuine thing that just happened to me that no one ever would experience. Right. You know, or that, or, that or, 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 you know, uh, finding a planet, naming it, moving on, and then seeing on social media some guy was like, oh, I found this cool planet. And you're like, that was mine. You know, like, I found that, you know. You think that what are the chances of that happening, though? Who knows? <laughs> That's the game. You have no idea. You know, yeah. it's... it's um, yeah, we really don't know. We really don't know like how many people are going to play this, how interactive it is. It seems weird that like the 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 universe has it started yet? Like like the yeah. the game that they're in is that the universe that we're all going to play? Like because he said like oh we'll find this planet. This planet's called Planet E three. You might discover this game now. And it's like did the game go gold? What I don't understand. I don't like, think so. No. So how did how is it? How I would, did I would the be more interested if it starts. How are you at developing nothing? a game that is, exists? Yeah. You know, it's it's. I hope so it starts at nothing. So it just starts as like this one like seed. And then yeah. from that sprouts two, and from those two sprout two, until it just turns into this massive. But when universe. does that seed like, launch? It's weird. It's weird. There's so many weird things. It's a very game. unique game, yeah, for sure. So, what is your first pick for this? Uh, the division. Yeah, I can see that. I first am... of all, I would say though, <sighs> it's much easier, and this is kind of sad actually for this show, is that it was much easier to pick games that dropped in hype right. than it was to pick games that raise in hype right. in general. Like, I literally had to choose from, like, eight games that dropped in hype, and I had to choose from, like, three or four that had actually increased in hype from E3. Uh, 
I, I, I was really excited about Division. I love open world games. I love Ubisoft open world games. Uh, I, I, I'm, I will be apologetic for things that they do, like Towers is a big deal. Everyone's like, yeah. no Towers game. I love Towers. Yeah. I mean, it's, just, it's just me. <laughs> it's just the way my brain is constructed. I love exploring worlds that way. I love when they mark uh, all the fun things that you can do in a world. And I still think there's a lot of really exciting things about The Division, but kind of what we were talking about, No Man's Sky, just didn't really show that well. Like, yeah. if there's so much snow that we've seen, there's so many beaten up cars and using cars for cover. and It felt like and, the demo they showed was guys. the same one that they showed right. the first time they showed And they the released game. this gameplay trailer where they show all these cool interiors. Yeah. And, and, uh, and again, this is just a, a video that I saw. And uh, I'm assuming that, like, they announced the, the cleaners, which are the, the, the flamethrower guys, and they have Rikers, which are escape prisoners. Yep. And so I'm betting, like, I bet those guys have a cool headquarters. You know, I, yeah, bet they, yeah. like, I bet they're, like, you know, there's a point in the game where you can just, just finally just annihilate all those guys and just, you know, do away with them. Um, and so I just, I needed more interiors. I needed, like, it, it was weird to me to show this PvP mode because it, it could have ended in many different ways. And, like, I think it was the, t- I think it was the time to really show, like, a crazy, drawn-out, Uncharted-esque set-piece moment from this game so I can see, like, okay, that's how nutty things are going to get in missions. Yeah. And it's just kind of the way they sold it. It was just like, you're a survivor, and you just run around. And the game if also, people there, you quite might, you obviously, might does not look anywhere near as good as it did right. when they first showed it. Right. I mean, it's it's the next Watch Dogs, basically, where they show us this gorgeous debut, and then over time, the visuals just start to take step after step down. And it's got that, like, Destiny RPG open world, got to shoot this guy in the face 50 times because his health meter's that big. Yeah. You know, and it, it, you don't really get the vibe that it feels like an organic shooter. Right. It's like, oh, you're level 15 and I'm 12, and that's and why... now I'm never going to be That's why I had you, to shoot yeah. this human being in the face 50 <laughs> times. And there was just, like... Yeah. There were just moments where I would just, like, chuck a grenade, shotgun a guy, and then go, like, around a corner and then come back around and he'd run up. And I'm like, you're and still alive? Like, yeah. Oh, come on. You know, so... Um, it, it's again talking about anticipation. This is not something where it like started low and went even lower. I really, really want this game to be good. I, this this I, this concept does fascinate me. I do like. Well, it keeps getting delayed. I do right. I, I do like going into an open world that's real. You know, that when they say New York, it's like God. I'm I'm just waiting for somebody to actually make New York. You know, and yeah. like every time we've gone to that city, it's either something like you know prototype where it's just this really janky looking. You know, and or it's has like, like a. Uh, like an, an inspired by New York City like with Grand Theft Auto or something like right, that or like yeah. the Avengers Infinity playset where they just do like half of it you right. know and like it has uh, a Brooklyn Bridge and like the Empire State Building and they're like that's good enough so that's something that I'm always going to keep my ear to the, to, the, to the ground in this gen is that first person that's like we're going to do this city and we're going to do it it's not yeah. going to be inspired by it it's actually going to be that city road for road you know sign for sign block by block and so it's yeah it's I don't know. It's just a, no. I'm like, there with you. It's like a big that was snowy on my list as well. I and it was and it was one of those things where like I got to play it. I got to play that on Sunday. Yeah, I got to play that right before Bethesda. Um, so I was like at a private event. I could play it as much as I want. Uh, and I got out of that, and just like everybody around me was like, "Yeah, division, man." And I was like, "Well, but yeah, but it, it's got this. It's got this hope. part was yeah. cool." And, 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 and I and, and, and to say one good thing about it that I really like, I do like when you get into the PvP zones, you can work with people or not. And yeah. it literally, the only way you know a guy isn't working with you is when he shoots you in the face. And right. So like, I do like that. Again, uneasy alliances. I like that. It's like that day like tension. tension. Yeah, um, where, you don't, where someone can act like they're your friend and take you somewhere and just kill you and take everything you've got. That you know, it's got all the bad stuff that can happen with PvP. In World of Warcraft by some guy just not letting you level because he's killing you over and over again. Yeah. And it has the good possible aspect of something like Journey, where you have just somebody just drift along. Oh, hi, what's up? Oh, you're helping me. That's great. Yeah. Um, but what was at E3 specifically was that great. Yep. It's kind of a bummer. And my second down game is Gears of War 4. Gears 4. No, it's Gears of War 4, but yeah. the title says Gears. Getting back to weird 
game titles. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I have no idea what they were thinking when they developed this demo for E3. None. What Gears of War game? What do you think of when you think of Gears of War? Just right off the top of your head. Um, uh, co-op. I, I mean, you you having these people and 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 the way they uh, that fight with you and the separate... co-op is the first thing you think of when you think not necessarily of Gears of War? co-op, but interaction with other players. I'm not going at this alone. I'm always going to have guys with me. Okay. And then okay. even in Gears Three, the big thing they showed them about the helicopter and all the ends were coming out and it was yeah. like you know brothers till the end. Right. You know? So like that 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 you, that that me feeling like I belong with a team and I'm, yeah. I'm responsible for these guys. Um, and just just giant set piece moments. I think of action. Yeah, I think of action. That's the first thing I think of. And then chainsaw after that. Right. Action, mm-hmm. then chainsaw. Where's the action in this trailer? This this could have been any other game. And if they had slapped, I mean, even the the characters don't really look like cogs. I mean, right. they're skinny and they're small. If it weren't for the uniform, you could have shown this and said this was any game. And people would have been like, yeah, okay, yeah, that's that game. That's not Gears of War. But this is Gears of War, and they show, like, four minutes of just wandering around in the dark. Like, they're totally missing the point of Gears. And you want to know what else is footage is coming out now of the Gears remake, because there's, like, a beta going on or something, and people are able to play it. Yeah. I watch footage of that game, and I'm like, hot damn, that game looks awesome. (laughs) It looks really good. (laughs) It looks really they, they 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 redid the cinemas they redid the character yeah models, like. but it looks fun yeah. this game that they're trying to call Gears of War four is the farthest thing away from I think Gears. what we got was a direct uh, uh, shot across the port bow of them trying to avoid people saying like oh, more gears you know it's just like even if they got something that was just crazy set piece giant you know like the Gears three thing we saw where the mouth came up and just started chomping on like the platform yeah, that they yeah. were at and moving it around if they showed something where you're just fighting some big thing brought Marcus back you know everything that people were expecting people wouldn't be excited, you know, because that was, that was the end of the show, right? That was the last thing they showed it, actually. It was the very last thing in the Microsoft uh, press. That people would just be like, eh, more Gears. And, like, this is, this, it is but it, it, in a lot would, of ways. But even if it were just more just Gears, said, you know? it's still Gears on Xbox One. Right. Like, obviously, it's going to look a lot better. Right. I mean, I would have been okay with that, in all honesty, versus what we got instead. Like, it just feels like it totally lost the vibe of the... And, look, this is what happens when Which, a franchise goes from its developer to a new developer. but. Right. You know, they brought in a couple people from Epic, like Rob Ferguson's working on a game. Like, right. the the elements are there. So why is this what we got? Like, Everything you're saying negatively could be their mission statement. That you know, would be a saying, terrible mistake. You're saying, like, this doesn't feel like Gears. That could be what they're doing. That would you be know? a terrible mistake. You could be like, mistake. these don't remind me of COGS. They'd be like, yeah, that's what we're doing. You know, like, I bumped into uh, uh, Mitch Dyer from uh, from IGN, and he was nuts about it. You know, and he was just like, a spooky Gears? Yeah. Like, getting back to, like, the scary moments that I remember from the first game, so down. But you know, this that, doesn't like, remind really me of the first game him. at all. And when I watched... The footage of the first game, it's all trickling online now. It really didn't remind me of that first game. Like, it's the first game was gritty, and I, they got away from that over time, and it became almost more like a tongue-in-cheek type thing, and they tried to get real, like, emotional in the story and all right. that, which didn't really fit. Like, it really didn't make a whole lot of sense. These guys are, like, brutal killers. They don't care right. about it, and all of a sudden, they're, like, crying over it. Like, I didn't think that direction was the right way to go, and I, I would agree with Mitch and say, yeah, I would prefer a scarier more intense gears but not the way that they're doing it here like turning like, yeah. it into a wandering like adventure game like to me it's just a not to mention the thing that popped out was like okay it's like a little crab little thing dog, with like yeah. a tail yeah all right you know yeah it didn't, it didn't seem all that intimidating it's, and now it's, it's going to be like the big moment from it's like 
Yeah, shoot it, it in the like face, bro. It seems like, your average, it. It seems like your average introduction to a new enemy type. Right, that you're going to end up fighting over and over and over again right. throughout the game. It didn't seem like this big epic moment. They built it up to be. Like a truck comes flying through the bridge and like all, and you're like, oh man, what's going on that truck? Like finally this thing's heating up a little bit and it's right. like a little dog it's <laughs> yeah, with, right. with like 50 tongues or whatever. Like, I don't know. I was really disappointed in this. I, was a, I, I loved Gears for the first two. The third one, I started falling off a little bit. Um, so my hype for this was pretty high. I was actually excited at first to find out there was a new studio making it because I did feel like Epic had kind of lost its way a little bit with the series. Like three, four, three. You know, they 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 could they could take this and run with it. We could yeah. see a lot of fun, exciting things. From yeah, but now. that's I don't feel like that's what we got with yeah. Gears Four at all. So. It was playable though, which is always nice at a press yeah, conference. Yeah, it's know? true. They did actually, actually play the game. That which, like, it's not like the demo starts and then we're like waiting to see the guy on stage. Like they made a point like beforehand, like reach out for the controller and be like, I'm going to do this. Well, and, like, look, they can that. fake all that stuff too. But. Oh, sure. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. <laughs> we'll and never it, know. That's, and the again, crazy thing it's is it's not coming gray, out till <laughs> Q4 know. next year. So yeah. they showed it a year and a half early and actually showed yeah. us a demo. I do appreciate that. But still, I mean, again, just for where my hype was before E3 to where it is now, that was my second pick. I got one more. Yep. So... Um, Ubisoft better not be watching this video. <laughs> um, and this is bad. And this is this is bad because this is something we talk about, like you know, disappointing. You're too down. It's like, oh, I was up here and I was down there. I was around here on Assassin's Creed Syndicate, and I'm yeah. just like, oh, forget, whatever, I'm done. I'm yeah. And like, yeah, I wasn't very high in that game. I'm ever so into gothic architecture, like the fact that it's in London. I'm like, yes. The fact that like they're really playing up your crew because Brotherhood's my favorite Assassin's Creed game so like I'm like oh okay let's get back into okay like they're it's not just like I'm sending these people on blind missions and I'm not seeing them anymore they're actually in the environment with me and like yeah. they haven't talked about this but like hopefully I can customize them I can pick like the color so we're all wearing green or something like wow that looks really exciting and Assassin's Creed has always been one of the huge things that you like like whether it, you expect that you know but like I remember the when we saw boats in Assassin's Creed 3 for the first time I was like oh my god you know they yeah. always if it doesn't have some huge crazy tech demo it's got some CG trailer that's just like so masterfully crafted and just did nothing there was no trailer that excited me there's all the demos whatever um yeah, I, I, there is. I've felt that way about this game since the debut. And I'm always the one that's in the room, you know, like in the corner that everyone's, you know, like, you know, talking shit about Assassin's Creed. And I'm like, hey, you know, like, I, you I like this typically franchise. stand up for it. I'm yeah. still going to be, you know, cool yeah. with it. Like, I gave Unity an 8. I thought it was great. You know, like, it, the game didn't break on me. It broke on everybody else. I don't know what happened. I can't explain it. No, like, that, no that happened to me too with Assassin's Creed 3. Like, was I played like, through yeah. that game. I saw one glitch the whole game. It was like Vegas. Like, I rolled no sevens problem. every time. I don't know. Yeah. You know like. And then it comes out and everyone's like, this thing's broken. And I'm like, you're crazy. They're like, watch this YouTube video, and I'm like, I guess it is broken. Yeah. Like, what the hell? I don't know what to tell you. Um, and, uh, and and so I'm always that one when everybody talk about, like, franchise fatigue is the classic quote yeah. that comes up with Assassins. And every time people bring that up, I'm always like, yeah, but, I mean, 4 was so good. And, yeah, that, like, this looks really interesting. Even 3. I was like, there were moments of 3 that were really cool. I went to school. I went to college in Boston. It was so fascinating walking through all those areas yeah, and seeing yeah. that. Um, and for the first time, I'm finally like... Okay, I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm, done. I'm right there with you now. <laughs> so you know, it, and it and it wasn't. I can't really point at one particular thing. It's just that you know, it's like it's like Christmas, or it's like if you go to a, t a, t a, a city that you haven't been to in a long time, and you just have expectations. Where you're just like, I'm going to go to that restaurant, you know, and, yeah, yeah. and I'm going to get that meal that I love. And I went to that restaurant, and it was closed. Yeah. And like, so I went, <laughs> I went to some food truck, and it yeah. was the, the do you think hot, it's just that the okay. whole formula is just run dry at this point? 
Yeah, like but the, the mystique has definitely worn off of the franchise. Oh, sure, yeah. I, I think it, but again, what we were talking about, you know, not necessarily rebooting, but just kind of getting the sense that there's a new push. You know, that's like, okay, all of this will be known as being a part of this era of this franchise. Uh, uh, bringing up Final Fantasy VII, there's definitely one through six and seven through everything else. You know, it's yeah. like that clear turning point. And they need to turn. They need to do something where it's not just a new city, it's not just a new character. Um, yeah, so I feel bonk. like after three, like at the ending of three, like so much crazy stuff happens, not even like related to like the setting of the game, but related to like the virtual reality side of it, and like oh yeah, the, all the those... present day Abstergo, any of that's all just whatever, you know, yeah, it's all just kind of brushed off. Yeah, it's all kind of irrelevant now. Like they don't really talk about it because all the revelations kind of happen at the end of three, where you're dealing with like these otherworldly. They beings. all happened in yeah. revelations. Yeah, and like. <laughs> It just feels like there's no hook for the game anymore, other yeah. than, like, you're in this pre fairly historically accurate environment. And right. I, I will always love that about playing these games. That is one oh, thing sure. that will never and go I'll, away. I'm going to review it anyway. You know, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm going to play it at the end of the day. The amount of care that they give to nailing the time period that it's set in, like, that is always going to have a draw for me. And I'm always going to want to play their games, just if only to be able to walk through the streets of whatever town it is yeah. during whatever era it is. Because and the, and the there's no usually, other way in the world to do it that realistically. The writing is usually pretty good. It is, you know, like yeah. the, the writing in Unity was pretty great. You know, the yeah. Marquis de Sade was, a, was a, f a fun character to yeah, come back yeah, to and get sure. missions from. And it just, when, when, when uh, Syndicate got announced, um, not to mention it was like Victory, and then it was Syndicate, and it got leaked, and then we got like this weird kind of like tech demo that didn't really look that great, and then this like trailer that I wasn't a big fan of. So I was like, okay, E3. There's, there, like, E3 is going to be this big blowout. And then, yeah. I mean, I, look, I think Too the down. one, I think the one, they put out, like, a bunch of media for Syndicate at E3, and I thought the one trailer was okay, the Erica Fierer, Fear, I don't know how, the, how you pronounce her name, I thought that trailer was okay. Uh, what? I don't, yeah, I, yeah, there was one trailer that was, like, focused on a girl, I think. Oh, so, uh, 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 Evie Fry. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was okay. Yeah, it was interesting, but again, it's, it seems kind of smoke and mirrors, it seems like hiding around many, you know, like... <laughs> It, like because they have the, they focus on her weapons, right? Yeah. So it's like, here's her weapon, and they, mm -hmm. so it's like gameplay that's kind of connected by these like you know like After Effects moments right, where they like right. really focus on these things. And coming right after a game that was really buggy, I don't know if you want to you know show gameplay that's heavily doctored, right. you know, and like yeah, yeah. you're really focusing on all these moments. It's like just just show the game. So I'm I'm nervous. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so it's come to that time, Brandon. No, I'm sad. Yeah, let's talk about good games. Yeah, yeah. Where we get to pick our game of the show. We're both going to pick an alternate before we pick right. the actual winner. So, Brandon, what was your alternate pick for Game of the Show? Uh, my alternate was Horizon. And a great uh, one of the things, and we were just talking about, you know, Shenmue and Final Fantasy VII. So we have an announcement that comes out on stage that they're like, um, uh, you know, here, Final Fantasy VII, we got it, we landed it, it's coming out, it's going to be exclusive to PlayStation, it's going to be really great, you know, we'll see you in 2020. And then we're like, Shenmue 3, here's a little bit of the gameplay, but like, you're, yeah, maybe see that later. Yeah. And then, Here's this new IP. Well, I, I could have sworn it was going to be another Killzone. But like, here's this new IP you've never heard of before. Here's this strong, confident female character. It's open world. Yeah. Uh, here's this. Here's this really cool, interesting. You know, and uh, a lead into the story. Um, this this fascinating world that like reminds me a little bit of Enslaved or like Last of Us, where like we have seen this. You know, kind of like degradation of society, and you now like the, right. the, the the plants are taking it back. You yeah. know, like that's not necessarily like revolutionary. Never never seen that before. But like these like well, this is called this is post. Post-apocalyptic. Yeah, they said that like forever, but um, I mean, but we've I've, we've, I've played plenty of post-post-apocalyptic yeah. games before. Um, but 
you know, just the, the juxtaposition of these gorgeous environments and these crazy, like, metal constructs, uh, you know, like, that whole premise, you know, like, really attracted me. And then, oh, hello, one of the most amazing gameplay demos I saw of the yeah. whole show. So it's like, I'm totally expecting to get some, maybe, like, a trailer that's in-game, and then that's really cool, and then you'll announce that, and then we'll be excited about this IP, and then, you know, more to come later. But, like, there's, I, yeah, it was the whole package. Like, you well, got then the demo was, um, at the show behind uh, kind closed of funny. doors. It was a show. Yeah, and then, well, the demo they show behind closed doors actually shows a little bit more of the game and actually the information from that is what actually got me more intrigued because when you when you see that information you get that information you realize that it's actually kind of like a monster hunter game but it's the monster hunter game for the rest of us it's it's like a triple a monster hunter game i mean some people would argue monster hunter is triple a but it's really not it's a great game Mm -hmm. that is very focused and this is has a lot of the same aesthetics there's like trapping and there's some strategy that's involved when you're fighting these massive creatures but there's also this open world in this story that envelops that sort of a concept, which we haven't seen before. And so, as a big, I like Monster Hunter a lot. I've burned a lot of hours playing that game. I've also burned a lot of hours playing Fantasy Star Online. I'm getting those vibes from this game with the open world thrown in, with a legitimate story that you actually care about thrown in, with some mm-hmm. of the best-looking real-time graphics I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, so crazy. Look, this game was right on the fringe for me for being one of my picks. With crazy AI. Yeah. You know, it's like, I saw it, so I saw that demo at the show. I had a couple of the people that, you know, uh, from our team that checked out uh, the Horizon demo, and then I saw it finally on the last day that I was at E3. And it was a totally different fight. You know, the way this thing moved, like, you know, like the guy would be setting up a shot or something, and the guy would just tail swipe and knock him off his feet. You know, it was just like a very unpredictable demo. And that's got to be really scary going to E3, being like, I hope I survived this demo. Yeah, yeah. and, and and the amount of detail that you saw just in this one thing, you know, just like how many attacks that it did, yeah. all, the, all the weapons that were on it that you could take off. The destructible armor that were... Right, like, t- yeah. like the, the, how they were grappling thing that you could tie it to the environment, you could yeah. see it struggle and like get frustrated, and then have this gameplay trailer and show this like village like way from a distance, and you're looking at, and they show this like concept art where you see this bustling metropolis, and you're like, I bet that's incredible. Oh, you know, based yeah. on what you've already shown me, yeah. I, I just thought was, I thought... The way you roll a game out, you know, like the the other two games that we're gonna you know we're gonna talk about, uh, or the the couple of games we're gonna we're gonna talk about in the segment, we've heard of before. You know, yeah. leading and it was kind of like a proof of concept. Right. And the fact that I had I didn't know this game existed, and I saw, you know, like you proving not only just from like the concept, the you know like the the music and the graphics and the, the combat and this world. Um, and the team behind it, you know, and the whole division for this new series, is just like win-win. All that around. is actually why this did not make one of my first or second is because it's Guerrilla. And because I've played a lot of their games and they always look great and look incredible. <laughs> and then when you actually play the game, the gameplay is always lacking. Mm. And it just, I've been swindled by them so many times like the last Kill Zone, the PlayStation 4 launch game was not a good game. Yeah, it was it. gorgeous yeah. and beautiful, but I honestly did not want to play that game anymore after like a few hours. Like I honestly kept playing the game solely to see the next set of environments that they had built because the game was absolutely gorgeous. But as far as enjoying playing the game, I didn't enjoy it at all. I did enjoy the multiplayer a little more than the campaign at least, but I mean, you know, I I'm a little reticent to get behind this game 1,000% purely because it's Guerrilla. And they've never really proven that they can do emotional storytelling. And this game is trying to tug on the heartstrings. Like, some of the stuff that I saw in the demo, like, there's one part where she has to, like, kill a creature 
because you know the creature could make noise and like give up her position. Right. It's like they're trying to tug on those heartstrings. She does like the Indian thing where she's like, oh, you know, peace be with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Type of deal. Like, it's going the right way, but man, they've burned me before, and so I again, it, easily in my top five for me three, and right. it, it probably was really my third pick. Like it was the one that I had the hardest time eliminating. So I'm all over this game. But that was the one element of it that's kind of holding me back a little bit. What's your runner-up? What you got? My runner-up is Uncharted 4. And, I mean, that game, I don't even really know if I need to explain it. I mean, if anybody watched the demo of this game at E3. But they can't. You can't. Like, no one has seen the second part of that demo. Yeah. Oh. Where it gets even better. Yeah. I, even better. I mean, just Yeah, which four, is five, odd. Why six. did they choose? Because we're talking about it right now. Yeah. Because, everyone, because they want to see it. Because it creates that anticipation. Yeah, I guess so. A lot of people are curious about that. That it's like, I, I cannot describe to you how much that escalates. Oh, um, yeah. How much it's like driving to that city and knocking like when he goes down that one street where like so he's like where are you going and they like yeah. start knocking all the tables over and stuff yeah. like that pales in comparison to when they're on a bike yeah. going towards the camera and this giant thing is crashing and people are jumping out of the way it was just like yeah and I mean look what they showed off is nothing to scoff at no. like holy crap like the amount of interaction with the environment like. If you really break that footage down technically, there probably is no other game that does what this game does yeah. in real time. I mean, it is amazing. The mud alone in this game, like just watching the mud as he's dragged, like watching it react to like the tires and him, and then like the mud sticks to him, and when he gets up on the vehicle and starts doing combat, the mud starts flying off of him. Right. Like Hello. And just the way he animates. Like just, oh, yeah. there's, specifically there's this one sequence where like he's completely prone, he's lying on the ground in the mud being dragged, and then he gets himself and then he like basically gets on his knees and then gets on his feet and then steps up. And you're controlling this character that's doing this. Yeah. And he never settles into any kind of static position. You know, nope. like there's never that one thing where it's like, okay, now he's standing. It's like he only stands for a couple seconds and then he like eventually moves over and climbs up onto this truck. And I think it's just that that variability where it's like every single thing that's happening seems totally independent from each other oh, and yeah. completely natural. Like there's it's one like, there's one thing in the demo where he like shoots this bad guy and the bad guy dies and when he falls like he flails but like his one arm is like propped up against the wall like perfectly. I mean, the attention to detail in this game is just off the charts. It's uncharted the attention to detail in this game like and, you know, why it wasn't my pick for Game of the Show, though, is because it is a very controlled experience. I think they called it, like, right. Naughty Dog has some phrase that they're coining called wide world or something. It's not an open world right. game, but look, when you can control what people are seeing, that gives you an advantage over open world games. And it also, you know, in all honesty, it does kind of limit what you can do gameplay-wise, and it doesn't give you as much flexibility as a player. Game's amazing. I mean, I cannot wait oh, yeah. to play this game. But when I was talking about game of the show, you have to find one of those little chinks in the armor. Yeah, and like, yeah, yeah. Even this is really cool, where he like jumps off of a platform and lands in the jeep. Like you don't even think about like how most games in the past, like you would have landed on the ground and right. you'd have to walk up to the jeep or cinema and hit it right and the hit a button. You leave that platform, you cut to a it cinema. It cuts to a cinema of you landing and then getting into the jeep. Like the fact that all this is happening in real time is just amazing. But 
you know, again, it is this very controlled experience. They kind of know what you're going to be doing at all times. They're taking what which, you've done in previous Uncharted games, just making it better. Yeah, and it looks freaking awesome. I yeah. cannot wait to it, play this game. And it was the kind of thing, too, where, like, that, that the second part of this demo, that behind the closed doors thing, like, people would come back and literally explain beat by beat to me the entire thing. Oh, yeah, because they're that and excited then, about and it. And then I'd see people at the show, and they would explain the entire thing. So, like, I knew everything that was going to happen, and I still saw it, and it's, I was still, my jaw hit the floor. Oh, yeah. It was interesting, though. I felt like that, that part of the demo probably should have been the one that was shown publicly, but I always feel like this part of it's longer, so that's why they chose to show this. They right. needed like the right length for the for the. Uh, I like the Sully intro too because we hadn't seen him yet. Yeah, like, yeah. Everybody's kind of got the visual upgrade, right. so I like that. It literally starts with him like, "Hey," yeah. and he kind of turns around like, "Get a good look. Here's what I look like now." Um, so I, yeah. I thought that was set up very intentionally. Yeah, this game's gonna. I mean, if there's one game at the show, like I was talking to you about Horizon and how yeah. I'm a little nervous because of the the pedigree of the developer. Yeah. This is one game on the it's the exact opposite, yeah. where it's like, I have no concerns whatsoever that this game is going to be everything that's being shown and yeah. more. And so that's why I was confident in having it as my runner-up. And now it's time for us to announce our game of the show, but the thing is... Our unified Our unified game of the, game show. Of the show is... Fallout 4. Yep. I was hoping you'd say that with me in unison. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're the host of the show. I don't want to step on your toes. We can try it again if you want. So we both chose Fallout 4 as our game of the show. I don't even know if we really need to explain this. If people actually... I, I do. Uh, yeah. Just because I want to talk about game of the show, what that means. And, and uh, our game of the show, Game Trailers, last year was Rainbow Six Siege. And a lot of people have made fun of us now because they're like, look at Rainbow Six Siege now. It's just kind of like, right. it was just a shooter or whatever. And it's like... Yeah, but we're not talking about the game on its own. We're talking about the game at E3. Yeah, and, like, yeah. that's that's a big thing for me. We're well, also not predicting, like, what's going to be game of the year next year right. or what's going to be game of the year this year. You're saying you, what think, game think, had the best showing at E3 And I think you really, if you really try to evaluate, like you were saying with Gorilla, like, you have those 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 fears and those are, and those are uh, you know, those um, feelings that you have about Gorilla are, are, like, shaping your opinion of the game. Not necessarily the game's presence at E3, but no, the yeah, game itself. For sure. And so we all can have super random thoughts or, or baggage that we bring in or, you know, developers that we like or don't like. And yeah. based on their pedigree, we can have expectations about the game. Um, but to me, it's really, what did you do? You know, from that Sunday to that Thursday, what, what, what happened? Why were people yeah. talking about Fallout? And they did so many different things at the show, so many different facets. They, they, were, at, they were at multiple press conferences. This is you what know? happens when they you showed... don't show your game, like, right. three years before it comes out. Right. You show it, like... When it six months before it comes out, and you have the mother load to show off, and they did. So I you mean, have like proof of concept stuff, where, yeah. whereas like we see interactions, like we're like we're we're used to in Fallout, we see Vats gameplay, we you know we see things like okay, the, I wanted, I was curious whether you were going to do that. You drop bombs on us, like you can build fort, you can yeah. build like your fort and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. You 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 answer questions that people were curious about, about like how does this dog work? What can yeah. I do with this dog? Um, you know, because like, they can, they right? have all that information. It's all finalized. Like at this point, they're just polished. This beast up, and I know it's unfair to like lump it also with Fallout, but like Fallout Shelter, how genius is yeah. that? The, like right before anyone has a press conference, it's like guess what you're going to be doing during all these press conferences? Just checking out your stupid playing, little shelter. Yeah. What was I doing? <laughs> you know, five minutes before the show started yeah. today, I was checking out my shelter. Yeah, and while it, while it obviously that's not the game. This is a totally separate thing. It's free to play. I yeah. have it. It's kept Fallout in my head all week. You know, and uh, this game looks amazing. I mean, yeah. it, it, it uh, and I, I think the, and what really sold it for me is just the breadth of yeah. what was shown at Fallout 4. It, it's the most complete game at the show. They have to make no apologies for anything other than the visuals. But here's the thing. People are complaining about the visuals. They As soon as they boot this game up, 45 minutes into this game, they will never think about the visuals again. 
Because, I, yeah, because because you're in the world. Yeah, and, and I, once you get in there, you know it's going to be so engrossing and so immersive. You're not going to worry about like, oh, that texture doesn't look quite as good. Like all that stuff is just going to melt away, and all you're, you're going to be sucked into Fallout Four. And we'll see you on the other side, like two months later. And we were talking about Uncharted, and you were saying like it's unfair when you have when when your game is supposed to like just be like, look at this now. Don't look at anything else. Look yeah, specifically yeah. at this. And that's when you you know if a game's not up to snuff graphically, like that's when you can really be you know, critical because it's like yeah. you, you you pointed my focus at this thing, and I'm, yeah, now yeah. that I'm looking at it, it's not that great. But like you said, like you know, two hours in, this game you know could look like Looney Tunes. It doesn't matter. You know, it's yeah. like all the systems and the weapons and and, and they showed it all. And the excitement That's the thing. About, like, about going to new areas and seeing stuff. I almost got lost during the presentation at some points because there was so much information because right. they were ready to show it all. Yeah. It's a complete game. I mean, you can tell it's coming out in a few months. It's not coming out three years from now. And it was diversified. We talked about Uncharted and like that was amazing, but it was still Uncharted. You know, yeah. like they still, it was it was predictable. It's like uh, you know, I'm just gonna put I'm gonna put money on the fact that Nathan's gonna like be moving through the environment really fast shooting people you know there's like lots of points that, you know we can really break that down you know by its pr- uh, predictable uh, segments but it was so diverse all of the different things that they showed yeah. and like I said like it's it, it, it was the best of both worlds it was like a an affirmation of promises that they had made and an introduction of new elements that none of us even thought of yeah you know like I don't really know I, granted I, I I don't have that uh, big of a history with Fallout which is another reason why like it's pretty impressive that this was my game of the show yeah because like didn't play Fallout 1 or 2 at all I'll play Fallout 3 for like two or three hours and then was kind of intimidated by it. You know, yeah. it was like, saw the, the size of this world I was about to jump into and was like, I don't know if I could get obsessed with this right now. Yeah, like, yeah. like, I'll maybe play another like eight hour game or something that yeah, I don't yeah. really have time for and then just something never got back to it. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it just, it was, it was a complete package. It, it was, it was, it was something that they didn't go and try to sell it at one particular angle or, you know, please Or be, at one particular press conference either. Right? Like, it's like, please after be the excited, blowout you know? of Bethesda's press conference, I'm like, what else do they have? And sure enough, yeah, leave it to was it was it Xbox, right? Yeah. Leave it to Xbox to come around and be like, we're going to show you more blowing stuff up. Yeah. You know, like that's very <laughs> very Xbox. But um it just I mean, if if you're not confident that that the that game is in good hands and that uh, that game is clearly going to there be There is a pedigree. That's a legitimate what I'm talking about. Follow up like, to Fallout 3. If you played Fallout 3, you you can rest pretty assured that yeah. Fallout 4 is going to be the bee's knees. So I don't know what they what they could have done. Um yeah. They nailed it. Well, yeah, nailed it. Well done. And our game of the show for both of us from E3 2015. So before we go on to our deep dive, we're going to talk about some of the games from E3 that we haven't mentioned already in the show. We are going to have a trailer of the week this week. And this is another game that I almost had on my two up. It was right on the outside. Metal Gear Solid 5. Uh, one, this trailer I have a lot of love for because it has a New Order song in it, Elijah, which is one of my favorite New Order songs. But that's Kojima. He loves Joy Division and New Order, and he finally used one of their songs in a Metal Gear game. Probably one of the last trailers he'll ever make for a Metal Gear game, so I think there yeah. might be some significance in that. But anyway, this is a five-minute trailer, but it's worth every second. This is the E3 trailer for Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain. I was born in a small village. An old cowboy went riding out one dark and windy day. I was born in a small village. 
I was still a child when we were raided by soldiers. Foreign soldiers. Torn from my elders, I was made to speak their language. With each new post, my masters changed, along with the words they made me speak. With each change, I changed too. My thoughts, personality, how I saw right and wrong. Words can kill. Time and again, the country was ruled by a foreign tongue. When he was a young boy, he lost his native language, the bedrock for any developing child. His country, his family, his face, his identity, everything was stolen from him. Civilization's ruler has had the same idea. When people unite under one will, they become stronger than the sum of their parts. And what do rulers use to bring people together? Language. This world will become one. I have found the way. Race, tribal affiliations, national borders, even our faces will be irrelevant. The world that the boss envisioned will finally become a reality, and it will make mankind whole again. America is a country of liberty, a meeting of immigrants. Instead of simply assimilating, its citizens live alongside others. So the Major sought a system that used information, words, to control the subconscious. In his eyes, the greatest symbiotic parasite the world's ever known isn't microbial. It's linguistic. Words are what keeps civilization, our world, Free the world, not by taking men's lives, but by taking their tongues. With this, I'll rid the world of infestation. Sans lingua franca, the world will be torn asunder. And then it shall be free. Ah! 
The chain of retaliation is what will truly bind this world together as one. Les enfants terribles, Zero called it. Dropping bombs. Yeah. That was a very Kojima move of you to play the one trailer and then a different trailer and then go back to the original trailer. That was a mistake. That was classic Kojima. Right. That was totally classic Kojima. The wrong thing. He unplugged the wrong controller cable and put it in the wrong port. That's what happened. You like Castlevania. <laughs> Yeah, so we are right in smack dab in the middle of the longest episode of Game Phase ever. High five for that. That's right. It seemed like 45 minutes to me, but it's been two hours. That's, that's E3, man. That's what hap- That's E3, and that's what happens when two people who are really passionate about games get together. Yeah, so. I, we, we haven't really talked about the stuff that we like. Yeah. You know, like when, I, when I got this list, I was like, Super Mario Maker, huh? Okay, yeah. let's talk about this. <laughs> it's fun. It's fun to hear about yeah. everybody's favorite thing. So we had like a ton of games we were going to talk about at the end, but we are so far over. We're just going to talk about one more game, and then we'll take a couple questions from you guys. And the one game we're going to talk about is called For Honor. And I have to say, when I first saw the demo or trailer that they showed at the Ubisoft press conference for this game, I was like, that might be my game of the show at the end of the day. Because there have been so many games that have sword combat. I mean, sword combat is just something that's always in games. And until I watched the demo for this game, I never realized how horrible it had always been. Like, and how people had completely missed the target on sword combat in video games. Well, I mean, you think about most action games, and it's like, how scared am I of that one guy? You know? Yeah. Like, like it's really like, so it's like, you know, like... You look Unless at it's a like, boss that's presented to you. Right. Like, uh, but it's, it's usually just like, I want to tear through as many of these people as I can, or if it's something like Dynasty Warriors, like, I'm just going to have a lot of fun doing it, you yeah. know, like, just mopping up, like, all this, you know, this... Uh, and, and granted, when you go through regular soldiers, like, they are just kind of, like, rank and file, and you can, like, yeah, knock yeah. them out of the way. But just that vibe of, like, seeing the guy on the battlefield and realizing, oh, we're going to do this. We're going to fight, you know. And, and what I like about it is the realism of sword combat in this game. It's not like you can just pick up a sword and just start swinging it like a maniac and just, like, a million miles an hour, just swing, 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 combo, right. combo, combo. Like, you have to be very deliberate, and you have to be smart with the sword combat in this game because... You make that one swipe at the wrong time, you're left vulnerable to attack. And, like, most games, it's like you recover so quickly. Like, this game, the sword has actual weight and consequences for its weight. Like, this fight here in this hallway that they just showed right there is freaking amazing. Mm -hmm. Like, I just fell in love with this game. And another thing, too, is that I, I think we saw at E3 was how the passion of a presenter can sell a game. Yeah. This guy... That guy was freaking awesome. Like, you could just see it in his eyes that he just, he believed with every iota of his being that this game was the shit. And and on on that same note, the guy from Unravel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that game is like a side-scrolling indie platform with kind of a gimmick. It's cute. I played it. Judges Week is fun. Yeah, but what it is is him. It's like, you can just see that fire and that that fervor for his game and it's infectious even right. through a tv screen like yeah. you feel like you see, what i loved about unravel too is his hands like you're just shaking like crazy and i'm like <laughs> this guy is gonna botch this demo so bad he's gonna botch his presentation he nails it yeah like i don't in life you everyone gets those moments where you're so nervous and you're like 
and and when you nail it, it feels so good. But then sometimes in life, like you're really right. nervous and you don't nail it. And so I was able to put myself in that guy's shoes. And when he came through and nailed his presentation, like I felt good for him, and it made me feel good for his game and and be more open and accepting of his game as well. Uh, you can it can also fall flat too because like he comes out on stage and he's like, I'm really passionate about this. This is a project that I've you know. Uh, uh, there was a very clear point in my life when I got the idea for this, and uh, apparently I've been shopping around for like a decade. Like, this is yeah. a game that I really wanted to get made. Um, it, like, it, it was exciting when the whole thing, you know, wrapped up, but like, at the same time, I'm watching him on stage, and I'm like, this smells like a CG trailer. It smells yeah. like we're going to get some proof of concept thing, and then that's it, and then yeah. we're not going to hear about this game for a long time. Um, kind of reminded me of, I can't remember the guy's name, but the guy behind Infamous Second Son. But he came out on stage and was really serious. At the yeah, real, yeah. Real PlayStation band was talking <laughs> yeah. about like you know security and like yeah. I got beat up at a riot one time. I was like, where are you going with it? Yeah, yeah. And then he just shows some like CG thing for right. a Second Son, which turned out to be a pretty fun game. But you know, for him to come out and introduce this thing, have that passion, yeah. and then have this amazing CG trailer that like really sets everything up, and then have this gameplay that I can't stop watching. Yeah, like, you I know. can just loop this thing, yep. and I could watch these little moments over and over and over again because. From what it looks like, it looks like you can meet somebody on the battlefield and you could kill them right away. Five seconds. Dead. Yeah. Or you guys could fight for a half an hour. And oh, yeah. just because every single, like, you swing this way, I swing this way, I block this way. You know, it's like everything you're doing. Um, and, and and not only that, but just the all the other elements, you know, like uh, this, this kind of, like, strange MOBA influence of you, like, controlling this, like, you know, flux of, of all of your troops yeah, going yeah. in and trying to pick the right moment to, like... Uh, you know, capitalize on that momentum, you know, and uh, and not only that, but pick, you know, whether you want to be a samurai or whether you want to be yeah. this kind of like Arthurian knight, you know, and like all of those different schools of, of sword combat coming together. And damn, does that game look good? It does, yeah. And that's it looks crazy, stunning. you know, that we're in this we're in this this era of this gen now, you know, that we're not, you know, it's it's not like the you know PS4 and Xbox One have just come out, so we're mostly getting you know CG stuff or live action trailers or just like little snippets, but they can just blow a game like this out, yeah. you know, that we've never heard of before and has some of the best running combat animation that I've ever seen. Yep. Even something like Rise of the Tomb Raider that I'm really excited about, she's a little wobbly, you know, like yep. she can kind of like depending on her terrain and how she's moving. Um, and, and just this, all of the little pieces on their outfits and how they transition from, like, you know, going into combat, all the sword swings and everything, and yeah, dealing with multiple he... targets. Like, one yeah. guy takes on two guys at the same time, and, like, how he switches targets is really fluid. I mean, if, wow. it's funny. I mean, you look at this game, like, just take a quick glance at the screen or whatever, right. and you're like, oh, it's another sword combat game. And, like, if you told me before E3, if you showed me five seconds of this game... Be like, this is one of the games that you're going to be most excited about when E3 is over. I'd be like, yeah. yeah, good one. But it is. I cannot wait to play more of this game. And that's what E3 also is all, all about, is getting us hyped to play flipping video games. So, for honor, thumbs up for me. Thumbs yeah. up from Brandon as Definitely. well. So, let's see if we have any questions before we close out the show. Let's see. And I do not... Do you guys use the delay... When you guys live stream, you know how you yeah, can like yeah, change. Yeah, we could. Do you guys? Did you guys change it so that? No, you know, we, we yeah, we left it the same too. So it's kind of a pain, but it makes it easier to stream for. I got to admit, I kind of like that delay. You know, it's it's kind of grown on me because a lot of times I'll I'll totally miss chat whenever something really exciting happens. So it's really fun to like just die horribly in a stream and then just like look over and be like, wait for it, wait for it, wait. Uh, yeah. and there it is. <laughs> like there's everybody like. You got wrecked. Yeah, that's the thing. So I asked that, and now there's like a million of them flooding in. So, oh, they someone's saying, why didn't we mention the uh, Xbox backwards compatibility? That, oh, that is, was cool. That's a big story that we did kind of not really talk about. That kind about. of cheer, you rarely hear that in an Xbox press conference. Yeah. I also wonder how significant it is, though. 
And actually, this was one of the topics that I had on the, in the show before, in the first like rev of the big six. It was one of the topics. It ended up getting bumped, though. Here's why I bumped it. I bumped it because there was backwards compatibility in the PlayStation 3, mm-hmm. and I think I used it once. I used it to play well, like yeah. Wheel of Fortune, like when like some relatives came over or something. I, I had like an yeah. old. <laughs> Personally, I didn't use it a lot, but I used it a lot, obviously, for game trailers, just for you know, for work. Nice yeah, for if work you need to, to capture footage system. of older games, yeah. And so that's ultimately why we cut it from the show because I just I feel like it's one of those overhyped features that sounds like it's a great thing, but once you've already had a console for a couple years and the software is really starting to flow out for that console, I feel like its functionality is like a function where it just slowly right. dwindles over time to where you just don't use it anymore. So uh, and, and it's, it's always a big story at first, but I feel like over time it becomes less of a big story. And it's limited, yeah. right? So they're going to slowly be rolling games out, which yeah. is kind of same, the same thing the 360 had with the Xbox. Right. And so I think maybe a smarter play, I don't know how many of those games were approved, but like maybe announce that at the show. Like have it, like announce backwards compatibility coming to the Xbox. Yeah, everybody cheers. And then uh, we're, it's going to be for specific titles. We're going to be rolling those out. We're going to announce later titles on, but... Right now, available today, right now, you can check out these games and then just do a bunch of box art or yeah. maybe do a montage of old Xbox games to cut, or 360 games to celebrate that. But it's just that fine print that I yeah. wonder, like, eh, like, it reminds me of when they announced backwards compatibility for the 360, that initial 360 launch event. He said, um, uh, Jay Allard said on stage, he's like, and the Xbox 360 will be backwards compatible. And people were so excited, they already started clapping and cheering. Yeah. And he said, for select Xbox yeah, games yeah. under the cheer. Yeah, yeah, no, so I know. So he just kind of like slipped that fine. <laughs> There. So yeah, it's 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 um, again, which is why uh, we were talking about For Honor. There's no fine print with For Honor. It's no, there. You're looking at it. They explained it. it. We saw it. We played it. It's proof. It's done. Yep. And uh, you know, we have something like this. We're just kind of waiting for the, sh- the other you know the other shoe to drop, or, or for us to get into 2016 about the midway, and then they just kind of drop it. You know, because it maybe doesn't get good reaction from fans. Here's another question from Gordon Freeman. Nice. Did you like the Doom demo? Yeah, I thought it was cool. Uh, I thought it was very, it was just very Doom. Uh, I thought, uh, you know, it's a kind of game, like, there's no cover system in this game. Uh, there's not, uh, there's finesse and movement and stuff, but, like, that, that, was, that was what I wanted. Uh, I think uh, it's what they kind of had to do. I feel like if they had made another kind of a Doom game, people would have been really pissed off. If they had released the original game that they were making, which was more like Gears of War that had, like, a mm, cover system, and, okay. like, there was parts of it where it looked like, kind of like Call of Duty... People would have freaked out. And so I feel like they stayed true to what Doom is with this yeah. game. But I would also say that I don't think it looks that good. Yeah, it looks it looks okay. It, it's I just... think it looks like I'm pretty disposable. Like, I don't think, like, after you play this game, you're going to be going to your buddy saying, that's like the game of forever. No, no, like, no, 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 no. It uh, looks like it's going to be a fun diversion and probably a game you wouldn't want to play around your parents or your wife. Yeah. But... <laughs> I don't, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't feel to me that something that's like, look out other shooters, here comes Doom. Yeah. It's just, remember Doom? It's Doom. Yeah. You know, like, we're not, we're not. And I think anything. I'm okay with that. Well, it's like every still... game doesn't have to be like a 10 out of 10. Well, you're upset with the Gears is making all these weird decisions yeah. that, you know, we don't really know where that's going thematically. And then just like, Everything was just like a confirmation, like, oh, yeah, Doom. Like, yeah. I thought they nailed it. I just think I like, it's, it's Doom. Like, I like that we went to hell. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, yeah, After we saw that first demo, I was like, okay, that was it. And I like that they add a little bit more later with the tease, the BFG at the end. I yeah. Okay, fun. we'll take one more because we are way over time. Someone says, so wrong, Shane, from Mark Simpson, UK. <laughs> uh, let's see. One more question. The Bethesda also Did kind you of... Think, oh. Okay, here's a good one. Did sure. you think... Oh, do you think future Xbox conferences will feature more Windows 10 content? Well, first of all, I thought there would be way more Windows 10 stuff yeah. in this one. 
I really thought that they would talk, talk about that. I thought they might show some comparison videos talking about like, this is what DirectX 12 can do. This is what we did before. This is the extra juice we're going to get out of the Xbox One thanks to Windows 10. But we really got none of that. Yeah, I don't think so. I think Microsoft is the kind of thing. Like I'm used to Microsoft announcing some big tech initiative, and then like there it goes. Like, we don't really hear about it. Um, and so uh, Hololens, I think they'll probably play that up more because that was just a kind of demo that we got. But I think I would see it as something um, kind of like how you mentioned people's Twitter handles as a side. You know, it's just they'll, yeah. they'll mention something and they're like, oh yeah, also available on Windows 10, and then move on. Yeah. Whereas like specific specifically like pausing the show to talk about it. I don't see that happening next year. Yeah, I don't know. Windows 10 is going to be a big play for them, but it comes out in like a month. Isn't that right? Doesn't Windows 10 launch like real soon? So I think by next year, it'll be yesterday's news. Maybe we'll get news about like uh, cross-buy or something like that, or a list of games that you'll be able to play cross-play, like how you can play Fable uh, across Xbox One and PC. I think we'll see more of that. Maybe announcements like that. But I don't think it'll be a big crux of their press conference going forward. Hopefully, they just have so many games to show that they don't have time for that stuff. So, yeah. So, that's it for Game Phase 15. The longest episode ever by a wide margin. But it is post E3. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot to talk about. I want to thank Brandon for coming by. Thank you. And co-hosting on the show. We will have another co-host next week as we figure out who will be the permanent co-host. Again, not sure what's up with Marcus. Um, We'll see what happens there. But uh, thank you for watching. As always, Game Face and E3 is up and out.